Hello, everybody. What's going on, family? Welcome to episode 59 of the podcast. 59, baby. That's a sacred number. That is a sacred number. Episode 59. Hey, my guest today is one of my favorite guests to have on the podcast. I met him uh, a year and a half ago. He's been on once early on in the early days of the pod, and he came through today. Dr. Gary Schliffer. Um, Amazing dude. Super knowledgeable. Uh, practices a type of medicine that is preventative. Uh, so, uh, as in, be healthy now so you don't have to get sick later instead of wait till you get sick and then learn how to be healthy. Has an amazing knowledge of all things medicine, um, uh, 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 ancestral medicine. Uh, we had a great conversation that started with vaccines. We talked about a lot of the COVID stuff that's been going on and the information that gets shared regarding COVID, as well as the lasting impacts of what this pandemic could bring, what could be happening in the future, how to take care of your body, talked about meat, greens, toxins, um, and and taking advantage of ancient knowledge and, and ancestral knowledge that can be practiced today to help you live a happier, healthier life. Wonderful knowledge bombs on this episode of the podcast, which is brought to you by Cognibiotics from Bioptimizers, my favorite supplement company. Cognibiotics is a mind and mood enhancing probiotic made from natural herbs and ingredients that work with your gut biome to make a a happier body, make you happier, dude, make you better, make you feel better, make you less shitty. Uh, I'm not good at reading ads. We know this by now, but... I love these and I take them every day. Um, get a discount and a free book called the Biological Optimization Blueprint when you go to cognibiotics.com slash Brent Pella. That is the URL. And uh, it's great. It's great. I highly recommend two a day. Probiotic, nootropic, helps your brain gut connection, which is a legit thing. And uh, highly recommend them. Cognibiotics from Bioptimizers. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Blue Blocks, my favorite blue light blocking glasses. Get 15% off at blueblocks.com slash Brent using promo code Brent. I legit use these every night um, and I have had a significantly better time falling asleep and staying asleep because my eyes aren't numb from staring at a screen all night because these glasses block the artificial blue light from digital devices. So get 15% off at blueblocks.com slash Brent, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash Brent. Now, let's get into it because this episode was awesome and is full of really cool knowledge and insight that I really hope you guys will take and appreciate and enjoy. So please enjoy this episode of the podcast with my good buddy, Dr. Gary Schleffer. My buddy is a, he's an artist and like a, he's an actor, artist and a wood craftsman. Yeah. And he told me about this table design that he had. He showed me a picture of one that he did. And I was like, oh, dude, like, we got to make something like yeah. that. And so I came to him with the idea to put these shoes in it. Because these are the shoes that I got my first year working at Kobe Bryant's basketball camp. There you go. So they have a lot of history. Like, they were also the best basketball shoe I've ever worn. Um, <laughs> and so he sketched up an idea when I went to meet up with him. And I was like, yeah, we have to do that. And he made it, and it's the only one of its kind that exists. Yeah, yeah. this is amazing. Isn't it cool? It's fucking cool. Eucalyptus wood, it. resin. I love it. I yeah, love man, it. he killed it. He yeah. killed it. And um, now he wants to like license the design to some big companies. He's gonna make millions of dollars. So people shirts. throw in their shoes, and then they have their own shoe. Yeah. So it's like shoe uh, table. Yeah. Shoe so, table. So people, I gotta be right in it, huh? Yeah, right. right up there. Yeah. There you go. 
Um, so people will buy like, you know, super expensive shoes and then set them in the table and it just makes the value of the table go up. But can you ever pull the shoes out or they're destroyed? Uh, they're actually cut in half. Oh, so they're already destroyed. Got it. Yeah. Got but it, then it. I wore them for five years straight. Right, so like right. I just couldn't throw them away. There's the it's first the pair of shoes that I just could not throw away or donate. And I was like, I, I got to keep these somehow. So, so you don't have like me, like a bag of t-shirts from college that I can't part with. Like I just, can't. I have some, Yeah, I, I can't part. I have a whole bag. I like can't. once every two years, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a ton of stuff to Goodwill. Goodwill yeah. 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 And I'll just donate it. Yeah. But I have like, I have like band shirts. I have like original uh, oh, 1990s cool. concert shirts, green day at the, at the palace wow. in Hollywood. That's cool. When I was 14. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My first concert was some 41, dude. What? Yeah. At the those Six guys, Flags I love those guys. Uh-huh. I love those guys. Yeah. I think I was like 10. Um, and we were there and, and it was like noon yeah. on like a weekday. Yeah. And I was like full of angst cause I was like excited to be a teenager, but I wasn't quite there yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it was rad. Those cool. punk rock shows were, oh man, they, they helped me grow up. That was the best, the best. Yeah. That's why I feel for these kids. No concerts, nothing like. I know. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Concerts are coming back though. Yeah. Slowly. I got three. I got three. Con- I'm going to go see uh Rammstein. Wow. That'll be <laughs> yeah. wild. I bought it before. In LA? I bought it before COVID uh-huh. and they canceled it and they like d- right immediately canceled it and delayed yeah. it. And they're like, oh, you can, we're like, we're going to keep our tickets. And in September of 2020, we were like ready to go the day before. And we look at it and it was September, 2021. Wow. So they had delayed it two years. Damn. Like, Fuck. But anyway, we end up, we're going to go. And then, uh, dude, concerts are going to be so wild. People jungle. are just ready to party. We'll see. Is uh, they're gonna be testing or what they're gonna be doing? Yeah. I think testing. testing on site. No, not on site. They're gonna make you show proof of your test at the door. Oh, can you imagine how expensive it would be to, to test, test on site? On site? Yeah, oh, a, some I, some comedy clubs have done that. I have a testing company. So you, you do? can. I have a testing company really? called Super Safe Set. Nice. And it's targeted at production companies, and and we also have like the walk-in clinic, the Evolve Testing Center. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's a big investment for companies, you know, productions have to do it. I think, cause you know, you have all these people working close together. Yeah. A comedy show. I get it. It's like a hundred people. 50 they're, people. they're not the only time I've heard that happen is when like Joe Rogan was doing shows in the fall. Yeah. And I think it was hotter in Texas. Like the COVID was yeah. more on a, I don't know what people are going to do. Yeah. You can't make everyone get a vaccine. That's for sure. They're trying. Yeah. They're trying hard. Uh, they're trying uh, hard. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's start it's with the vaccine. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. I, I um. I mean, there's such a crazy divide with people, and of course, it's become political. It's yeah. impossible for anything to not be mm-hmm. political anymore. Um, like when we first talked, the masks were becoming political. Remember that was like spring 2020, and we were talking about how crazy that was because it's like, why aren't we talking about vitamins and other All things other like stuff. that? Um, and so now that's become the vaccine and it's like, uh, you know, I just, my buddy asked me just the other day, Hey, which, which vaccine did you get? Right. Right. Like it's just assuming. And it's like a socially, uh, assumable thing to like, just it matters by the way, it. like it matters a privacy B was it your business? Shit. I think it's a way of asking like, did you get the vaccine? Cause I feel like yeah. they don't want to ask that. So like they're, they're even jumping to the assumption that everyone's going to get the vaccine or wants to get the vaccine. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And, it's uh, weird. and now with them, um, not giving certain vaccines or like call, recalling some or stopping usage of some it's, uh, 
given people even more hesitation, I think. I got a text from the LA Family Clinic, which is what my health insurance covers, and the text said, for your safety, we will only be giving the Moderna vaccine at all upcoming vaccine appointments. And I saw that and I was like, oh, so that means for your safety, they're not going to give Pfizer or Johnson and Johnson. Um, so what have you seen recently that you've been looking at? Like, what have you been paying attention to most when it comes to these? Um, I, th- when it comes to the vaccines, I think the thing I, you know, it's like the same thing we talked about. I, I think it's a false, uh, it's a false promise that it's going to be the solution. It's going to get us out of COVID. I think it's, um, you know, people are like, oh, I got vaccinated. Everything's great. I'm like, is it? Is it, you know, how, how great is it? How long is it going to last? You know, can, do you not have to wear a mask? Do you have to wear a mask? I think that, yeah. you know, people make these assumptions that, oh, it's going to decrease our rate of, uh, you know, transmission. Uh, there's some new evidence just recently. They came out that suggests that, yeah, if you have a high antibody titer, that it probably prevents you from transmitting. But we don't know. I think, I think there's so many questions about it that whenever you hang your hat on one solution. So I look at the vaccine as a tool. We have all these different tools to combat COVID, mm-hmm. you know, and um, masks are one tool. But if it's not like like back then, it's not like they were going to solve the problem. Right. You know, vaccines are a tool. They're not going to solve the problem. It, you know, the problem is a respiratory virus that's going to come and go. It's going to have, you know, different variants. Is it going to act like the flu where we have to do a booster every year? It, you know, it doesn't seem to be acting like, you know, uh, some of these other uh, infections, like, you know, when you finish your Hep B series, you're immune to Hep B, right? So um, I just think there's so many questions. There's so many unknowns that the way people, you know, group all vaccines together, group all the treatments together. It's just not that simple, you know? And I think just, just like I really tried to emphasize and I still, that's all I ever talk about is what can you control? You can control your modifiable risk factors so you can get skinny. You can control your blood sugar. You can optimize your vitamin D. You can go outside, you can exercise. There's evidence. There's great research that says like just exercise decreases your risk. You can use your common sense and the data and be like, well, if I'm walking down the street and there's no one out there, I'm just by myself. Or if someone's just walking by, the chances I'm going to get something is very bad, uh, is very low. So maybe I should take my mask off and smile at the person because yeah. smiling at someone is also very important for our mental it health. Is. You know, dopamine, serotonin release a little bit. You know, it's it. I, I there's a study <laughs> that just came out um, that Bill Maher quoted. I don't know where it's from, right. like Johns Hopkins or something. He went on a great rant. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and it, he's it, the study showed that 78 percent of people who are hospitalized are obese. That's a significant number. And I've always been frustrated that stuff like that just isn't shared. It's not shared. It's it, the, the information that's shared is, is seems so selective. Um, and of course, then you start going down different paths of like, why is it like that? But just the fact that we're so focused on making sure everybody knows that they can get it and everybody knows that they can be hospitalized and you can die without speaking about the possibilities or likelihoods, depending on the demographic you're in. It's fear mongering. Yeah. It's fear mongering. And I mean, I think it's funny because we have so many people that are dying from diabetes and cardiovascular disease and dementia and all of these like chronic metabolic diseases. And there's not, 
this fear mongering that really that's something we should fear monger. And mm-hmm. I, I think part of that is, you know, we try to normalize obesity. We try to normalize like, oh, you could be fat and healthy. And it's like you could, but very few people are. You know, there's 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 interesting concept of the personal fat threshold and that like depending on your genetics and sort of where your bloodline comes from and what your individual genetic profile is like you can have extra fat on your body and you don't necessarily have to be metabolically damaged. Mm -hmm. But that's not most people. Most people, when you show a picture of like a heavy person, can't just say they're healthy. It's very, very uh, they're unhealthy. Yeah, they're healthy. It's very, very unlikely that they're healthy. It's very likely that they're sick. And so I, you know, I worry that we're like are building this super, you know, everyone accept everyone and you can't poo poo anything. But in reality, you know, being obese, not thinking about your food intake, not exercising, not worrying about your mental health. These are not acceptable things, you know, like it shouldn't be acceptable. We need to rise, expect more from each other, you know? So I think that, you know, there's probably a fear of like, you know, you know, saying, oh, obesity is this thing that's going to that's really scary and it's going to get you in the hospital for covid when so many people are obese. You're really going to create like some real panic and fear. Yeah. You know, and then you think about like, well, if you do that and people do listen and they get skinny and you're going to sell a lot less drugs. Yeah. You know, you're going to you're going to you're going to sell a different pattern of food. So if everyone were to listen to me and start eating meat, and eating like organic and and really being thoughtful about what plants and you know you know seeing through this plant-based agenda and and for what it is and, and actually looking at the fake chicken nuggets and being like oh my god this is poison yeah and i can just eat some red meat and and it's healthy and no more soda it, just the yeah the the finances like i i don't think it's a conspiracy i think it's just there's so much money in chronic disease oh yeah right? there's yeah. so it's a much trillion of it. dollar industry like that's a hidden industry yeah i don't even know that it's hidden it's like it's like the elephant in the room you see it but no one wants to look at it it's like i'm just gonna turn my head away like uh, okay yeah i get it the drug companies are making money yeah they're charging through the nose for insulin and all these diabetic drugs and and they're just killing it and oh okay we're just not gonna look there we're gonna we're gonna worry about like what you know we're gonna get a vaccine it's like so for me the vaccine back to like kind of the question it's sort of not it's not that interesting like yeah. it's a vaccine. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what it's happens still in the winter. In trial, right? Like I, I, I've never paid attention to vaccines before yeah. this. I think a lot of people did yeah. it. Um, but it just the fact that it's still technically in its trial. We don't have no idea what the long term uh, benefits or negative effects of it will be because we haven't had it for a long term. Um, I, I, I get the most frustrated when I just see doctors just get a shot, get a shot, get a shot, not questioning. Yeah. And I'm not here to discourage people from getting a vaccine. Same. When people ask me about it, I'm like, it's an individual choice. I can yep. arm you with the information. This is what I know. It's probably very safe, but I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, there's, there's these side effects. That's real. You know, are you a high risk person? Are you around really high risk people? Maybe it's definitely worth it. You should, it's a no brainer, but maybe for someone like you or me, like it's not a no brainer. We're healthy. I'm not around those people. Um, but when I do see patients, I'm still going to take all my precautions, wear my N95 and everything. Mm But I don't, I don't look at it as such a clear, like, oh, vaccines are magic and they're going to there, you got to just do it. And I don't what, like that that's idea. That's what it's being pitched yeah. as. A, there's so much like societal pressure in that area of the vaccine. 
I'm not like surprised by the pressure, but I'm kind of like disappointed by it. Just seeing like the other day I was on Facebook and you know how they have that row of like, Hey, you should click on these things mm-hmm. of like ads or whatever. And it was celebrities being quoted by different sources saying they just got the vaccine and they're so happy about it. And it was like Britney Spears. And I mean, immediately I was like, just leave that girl alone. She's been through enough. Y'all don't need to be pressuring her to say some shit. And then it was like a bunch of other actors and musicians and like big name pop stars. And it felt like such a gross, like propaganda thing. And I, I mean, I kind of get that they're trying to help people who might be on the edge, but like, what outweighs that for me is like the um, the disingenuousness of just having it throttled down my throat and the messaging of like, get the vax, get the vax. If you're not education, the vax, you're a bad person. It's not education. Yeah. It's not like they're spreading education, right? It's right? not an infographic. It's not, a, it's not it. something that makes me more confident in what's in it and what it's doing inside my body. It's literally just messaging and branding and like it's creating this weird... Um, divide between people. I've had friends on Facebook posting, like if you straight up, like post a picture of your selfie with your Vax card so that we can make everybody who doesn't have one feel bad. Right. That was a legit post from a friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, it makes me feel really bad. And I'm hoping that this summer it passes through like kind of a wave and people kind of start to forget about the shit and we don't end up having passports and all that stuff. But who knows? I mean, look at your face, dude. You're cringing already. Yeah, I don't think so. that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that, you know, there's like this big promotion to push the vaccine. And then there's this like, oh, vaccine hesitancy is so bad. You're Oh, th- this and that creates vaccine hesitancy. Yeah. It's called thinking for yourself and wanting to know what's going on. Vaccine hesitancy means people are using their brain. Yeah, it means you're learning. So, so God forbid people actually question what you're pumping down dude. their throat. So when yeah. I see that vaccine hesitancy nonsense... I think that that is like anti-intellectual and anti-free. It's freedom. offensive. Yeah, it's offensive. It's offensive. I'm like, what do you mean? I get to be hesitant. That's what I want. Like that's yeah. called being free. And 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 this idea that oh, you get a va- you get a vaccine, you're a hero. I hate that idea. It's you know and the people is- who think that also think that having hesitancy means you're a right wing yeah, conspiracy theorist, and you immediately get put down right. just for questioning it. Like immediately they'll brand you. They'll be like, ah, you're questioning it. Just get it. You QAnon psycho, you know? And it's like, no, dude, you're allowed to like think. That whole like liberal and it is a liberal, you know, I hate to, it's politicized. Like that liberal agenda of like, this is how you should think. And if you question us or you question this thinking, you're, you're, uh, yeah, QAnon, you're, yeah, you're, you're right crazy. You're, you're conservative psycho. You hate people. You're you don't want, you don't care about your name. Like, that that is so divisive and it's mm-hmm. so like creates so much animosity between people and i you know in my position i as a doctor that's getting more and more out into the public sphere it's like you have to play the balance because i don't want to i don't want to dissuade people from doing something that might be really good for them but mm-hmm. my whole thing is like use your brain and think about it ask questions and let questions and thoughts be your fuel to like make decisions instead of being told what to do yeah. You know, like you shouldn't yeah. be, you shouldn't like wait to be told what to do. You should decide what to do. That's, that's why, you know, so yeah. And the, the another thing that I've noticed in this kind of space is just probably the most alarming is you definitely see a divide. I see a divide in my practice 
and just my exposure to all these different people. I, you know, I have my practice in Los Angeles that people come in like my clinic, my primary care practice, and which is I called evolve healthcare. Uh, and you can, if you're interested, we, we take patients on telemedicine from around the country now, depending on what state you're in, but definitely in California. Um, but, uh, what I notice is kind of like people are starting to separate. So if you're really young, if you're like, um, you know, under 25, I'm just coming up with some numbers, like generally like what I'm you know seeing, but like people that are young in their twenties, college age people, they are, there's so much pressure to buy into these ideas that there is a huge, like, like the kids feel this huge pressure that they have to get a vaccine and they have to post these things. Yeah. And, and there is like this, like aggressive, like you have to embrace this. It reminded me when I was young in college, the whole Obama thing and how it was like, you better embrace Obama or you're not even in college. Like I was at UCLA at the time. Oh. I'm like, you better embrace Obama. That's and funny. at that time, and that's, it's just a, it's just an analogy. Um, my point is like at that time, you know, you were like, Oh, he's going to change the world. He's going to be amazing. This is going to be a game changer. It wasn't. Yeah, like he was just another president, in my opinion. I don't know. People could disagree with me, but, you know, he made some good things and a lot of mistakes. And I don't think he really helped the racial situation that much because we're in a pretty bad racial situation. So, I, you know, I, that's where my head was at. And those promises weren't delivered. And I think that that's what's happening with the young people. They get pushed this kind of ideology and there's all this pressure. And so I have um, families that come to me where the kid where the fat, where the adults are, are questioning things, you know, and they're mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like maybe we should wait and see what happens with, with the vaccine before we jump into it. You know, like I, I have a history of really bad allergies. You have an autoimmunity. Maybe we shouldn't be getting the vaccine right now until we know more and know which is the best one for us to get, which is the safest since it keeps kind of changing and you keep yeah. seeing new information yeah. Yeah. and the kids, they go back to their friends and they get all this pressure. Like you're an, you're a terrible person for not getting a vaccine. Like you're not allowed to question this. You got to go do it, you know? And I think that that's really scary and it's really messing up our young generation and a generation that wasn't out in the world, wasn't going to concert, wasn't socializing and having relationships. And now it's their time. And now this world is not the same as it was for us, you know? Yeah. And, and that's really sad. And then on the other side of it is you have older people like greater than 65, 70 that are really, really scared. Be and that's probably more um, reasonable for them to be scared because yeah. that the virus is p particularly scary for them. And then you have all the people in the middle, like the 30s, 40s and, and mm -hmm. 50s who are like, I just want the world I had. Like, we get yeah. it. I get yeah. it. There's another virus. Back. There's another virus. We were really scared. We locked down, but it's not killing that many people, as they said. And it's and it is what it is. It sucks. It's terrible. But we should probably go back to life the way it was, because if we don't, we're going to be in a really, really bad spot. And the America that I knew and the reason the thing that we were all proud of about America is gone, you know, and yeah. and. You know, as an immigrant who came here and like my parents came here with dreams and they accomplished those dreams and I want to accomplish the next round of dreams. I don't want to lose America. So like part of yeah. it. And I think that's a kind of like what I what resonates with your comedy is like bringing up those unpleasant issues, making fun of the liberal side of things and the Republican side of things, making fun of some of this like stuff that's sensitive. That's what America's about. Like yeah. you've got to be able to do that. And so. I'm, you know, to what you're saying about the summer, I don't, I just don't think it's going anywhere. I, I think yeah. that the people that are scared, like really scared, the young people, the younger people and the older people are going to be really scared and it's going to take a long yeah. time to change, to turn that dial. Yeah. It's, um, I'm, I'm really concerned about like the mental health aspect of everything and how that's going to affect people 
especially kids, dude. I'll, I'll go work out on the beach and I'll see kids under 10 years old with a mask on, like digging holes. No one's around. It's despicable. And it's like, I, it's, it's bad. Freaks me out, man, because it is so like that specific act is so unnecessary. And I just worry for the future of what that kid is going to grow up to be, whether it's some crazy hypochondriac, some uh, very, very antisocial in comparison to what that child's personality could be like if they were not raised in such a fear state. Because wearing a mask on the beach as an eight-year-old by yourself, that's a fear state. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're being told, yeah, this just helps you breathe clean air. You're looking around. you're, You're just... You're unable to talk. You're unable to communicate with your face. You're you're thinking about germs all the time, and that really worries me. Yeah, I mean the mental health <laughs> fallout is only beginning. Yeah, like um, you know, I was really I was really shocked as we were going through all the lockdowns how dismissive we were of all the old people stuck in nursing homes because you know I saw so many people die and I saw so many people that were like holding on had some cognitive stuff just go into full dementia because when you're stuck in a house and you have no, you can't, your family can't visit you and everyone's afraid and all you do is watch this crazy news stuff, you lose your mind. And yeah. I literally watched that happen to dozens of people, older people that I t- personally take care of. It's probably once we have the data, like 10 years from now, it's going to be horrific mm-hmm. what happened to our elderly population. But what I'm seeing now in this like second year is the fallout of the kids because the kids you know, you kind of like, you kind of deal with this stuff. Like you deal with it, you deal with it. It's like being in a war though. It starts catching up to you. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I've had a lot of young people, people in their like late teens, twenties and early thirties, uh, have full mental breaks, Yeah. uh, lose their jobs and have disastrous mental health outcomes, lack of support. There's, there's hard to get jobs, uh, families struggling. You're like in a situation where if you lost your job, you can go back to your family. Like they're afraid to go see their family. Can't even go back. They can't even see them. Right. Mm -hmm. That's changing a little now, but I, I, I worry that the damage has been done and like, we're going to see the mental health side effects of this thing, the results of all the masking, um, I, you know, again, I was railing a bit about against mass back then. And now I'm like, you don't understand what kind of destructive force it, it these masks are for our mental health and for our like interpersonal health. Yeah. You know, I think people like, Oh, but in China, like everyone wear masks. Yeah. But that's a different kind of society. It's, it's a, a different kind of people. Thing. It's yeah, a culture thing forever. Well, and like a lot of Asian societies, they're communal. I think that's the word mm-hmm. they, they think of themselves as part of a group, right? Like. Uh, that's how where their point of pride comes from and in China like you want to be part of a group they try to conform it's it's just the way their society is structured uh, their government is different as a result and everything operates differently so wearing a mask to them is not going to be as destructive as it is for an America that's built on individuality yeah and freedom yeah and and we are we rely on looking at each other in the eyes seeing if you're smiling seeing if they're not smiling to figure out, how to interact. Is this my kind of person? Can I do business with them? And I just think that the real, like there's like this really underlying destructive process that's going to happen. If we keep buying into the whole of like, Oh my God, germs, I got to be afraid of each other. It's going to like really mess up the Western world because individualistic societies need the interface. Yeah. They need that. Um, you know, 
And, and to go on yeah. a little bit of a tangent, that's part of where I think like the virtual world, the decentralized crypto world, these metaverses, I think actually that's a future that starts making a lot more sense to me because that's a place where if, and I don't see it changing. So as things keep getting more and more scared of each other, more and more isolated, at least you could go into this metaverse and interact with people yeah, and have funny, a personality. It's funny that uh, the whole COVID thing not only forced us inside, but then even deeper into this whole new reality. I mean, the metaverse and the the this idea of a world inside of a man-made computer system has been inevitable to me. Like it's always 100%, yeah. been part of our future. I think we've ramped up faster moving exactly. toward it now. Um, and fuck, I mean, cool. Like that's yeah. like the video game industry is li literally the Licking biggest chops. thing. Yeah, it makes Can't more wait. money than sports and mm -hmm. movies combined mm -hmm. every year. So there's already people that are in their video games six to ten hours a day, and once that becomes more of a virtual reality, augmented reality thing, um, I wonder that. That's what makes me wonder if that will help people whose mental health has been negatively affected by COVID or if that will make them worse and more introverted and less likely to experience reality in the real world. But then of course the existential question becomes what is your definition of the real world? Exactly. Because for so many people being in an augmented reality universe is the real world. It's where their relationships are. It's where their interactions are. It's where they spend money to get things, whether it's a weapon or a, a experience or like a thing or a place or whatever. Um, and they come out to like poop and eat. And so like, who am I to say that what your real reality is? You yeah. Know? I think that, uh, it depends on the future that you see, you know, like I think that, <laughs> Being an old timer now, I, I see this. I, I hope a future is where people ha don't have masks on and they're out, you know, going to concerts That's and seeing. Florida, baby. Yeah, <laughs> but I, 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 I believe honestly that we will keep going towards, you know, people really staying to themselves more and more. People working from home more and more, and and they're just as a result of that, they're just being a platform where being able to interact with more and more people through this virtual space. It's just going to be, it, it will be a good thing in that future. And and yeah. I actually think that's a good thing for the future that I see unfolding before me, which is people are afraid to see each other in person. So if they can get that interaction in a virtual space and then, you know, on, on that same, we already live in a virtual space. We were just talking before the yeah. podcast, your career is, live, exists in a virtual space, right? Like yep. you reach out to all these people. You're not in a comedy club. You're on your YouTube platform and everyone, you know, like I, I interact with you more through a virtual Instagram thing than I, than mm -hmm. I do in real life, you know, yeah. uh, because, and we live in the same city and it took me an hour to get here. Cause yeah. it's like, yeah. it's the, this the world we live in. There's a lot of people. And I think, you know, especially as there's more and more people and, and it, and it is going to be, there is this fear and danger, especially of like big group events, like a, like a festival, right? Yeah. So doing a festival in a digital space makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. a lot more people could participate and, uh, you know, do I like that? Am I excited about it? You know, no, I, yeah. I really am not, but I, I see it unfolding and you know, I don't want to be a dinosaur. That's like, Oh, it's terrible. Like this virtual world is, is bad. No, it's the future. We and it's the reality we already lived in because social media is already virtual and right. you edit everything and you get to edit this and you get to make your avatar, you know, you put on like a character, you know, basically, and the character might be more popular than you are yeah. in, in the world, you know? So I, you know, I think in the future you're going to have like, um, uh, 
AI characters, generated characters that are famous influencers, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. that's already starting and, and people are going to love that yeah. because, you know, it's like a celebrity, but even more perfect because they can't go and, you know, do something yeah, terrible and end up on the it's news. right here. It's right, it's right there for you. Um, Club, Clubhouse is moving that train forward a lot. Yeah. Have you messed around with Clubhouse I haven't yet? yet? I haven't It's yet. pretty fun, dude. Yeah. I think you would actually be a great addition to it's Clubhouse. It's like talking. It's, it's a social media app where everybody can talk to each other. So it's kind of like a live podcast hangout space. Uh-huh. And in, there are different rooms like where people can talk. And you can be invited onto the stage, quote unquote. Oh, cool. So those are the only people that can talk. Like I was on a stage with, you know, Jake Paul, Snoop Dogg in the game the other day, but I didn't interrupt because I don't want to, I could have. But they invited you on. uh, A friend of mine who was also on the stage invited me on. And I could have been like, hey, Snoop, yo, let me ask you a question, dude. Right. But of course, that would have been poor etiquette because they were in the middle of a conversation about like NFTs for the black community or something that I did not want to interrupt. Um but how cool is that? Like just to have the opportunity. I've been on other stages with like Steve Aoki, uh, you know, the manager for whoever this artist is. And like um, it's a really cool way to interact. And do you know Stephen Gundry, Dr. Yeah, Gundry? Yeah, Dr. Gundry is very, very popular. Yeah. So my very buddy uh, Craig Clements, who's really big on Instagram. I don't know if you know him. He, he works with Dr. Gundry. He invited Dr. Gundry to have like a live conversation and then had people on for Q and A's. And I talked to him about homemade pasta and <laughs> shot me down a little bit, but then we came to an agreement on how to eat the proper type of tomato sauce, which is no seeds. Oh, he's against tomatoes, right? Yes. Yeah. But he said, it's okay if you remove the skin and the seeds, it becomes right. more digestible yeah. and blend it up. And I was like, great. That's what I do anyways. Um, <laughs> but but is, is he against the meat? I can't remember. Uh, no, he's for meat. Pro he's meat. Pro meat. He's anti Himalayan sea salt because it doesn't have iodine, which I didn't know. He said your body needs some iodine yeah, with your you, salt. I yeah, guess. but you want natural products. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to poo poo his. Oh man, we're gonna. Yeah. Have we don't a need to go full that way. argument with Stephen Gunn. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, I missed the part where he was talking about plants, but he was talking about how some plants release a lot of toxins yeah, into anti- your body. Yeah. And, it actually becomes inflammatory or like anti good, whatever the yeah. terminology was, which I would love to ask you about because yeah. I don't have a full understanding about that yet. Um, anyways, what was I saying? Clubhouse, bro. We got to get you on Clubhouse. We'll do a room. <laughs> we'll do a welcome okay. room, uh, and it'll be great. It'll be I love. It. I mean, and that's really the virtual space. Just you don't have an avatar in the room yet, right? You're, you're just it's just your picture. It's just your picture. Yeah, I envision you know like these decentralized land, decentral land and sand. Mm-hmm. You know about those? Like I can imagine where you go into like a theater and you have people speaking and per- yeah. doing performances, and instead of just you know being on your computer, you could be in your VR glasses, like physically Dude, yeah. there. I there's no Ready Player One is the future. Oh, 100 percent. It's like bro, a, my my uncle yeah. is a um, virtual reality. Oh, man, I'm going to get his job title wrong, but he works at Facebook's AR VR department. Yeah. I think for Facebook or maybe he, he was also contracted to work on a project that does a brain scan uh-huh. uh, so that doctors can actually go into the brain and it chops your brain up into sections. So you can like see specific parts of the brain and do more exploratory research on the brain um, via virtual reality, augmented reality. I believe I'm getting that right. Uncle John, I love you. If I'm getting it wrong, we'll have a discussion. Um, but he turned me on to, uh, what's that 
uh, Second Life. Yeah. 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 So he told me to get into that, right? Because well, yeah. I called him a couple Have weeks you done ago. It? I signed up for it. I haven't explored yeah. a lot yet, yeah. but it's that's like the thing, dude. It's I mean, happening. this NFT space, crypto space is opening up all kinds of doors for that. I stuff. think Sand's going to be a really fun platform because it's Sand. Like sand. Oh, Sand. Sand, uh, sandbox. Sorry, Sandbox. sandbox. You mm -hmm. know about sand Sandbox mm -hmm. is basically it's a like a virtual world uh, that is all for gaming. Cool. And so like Atari has a huge platform, uh, a huge piece of land in it, and they're developing all sorts of gaming interfaces. Wow. And um, there's a lot of companies get, that are getting involved, and it's basically like this virtual world. It's going to be all about gaming, presumably. Cool. Like a, an adult. That's pretty dope. It's like a sandbox to play in. Yeah. And then you have like Decentraland, which is more like the wild, wild west. And you could build whatever crazy thing you want in there. Wow. I think it's so fun to think about. Yeah. There's a lot of possibilities there. I'm excited for like the entertainment possibilities. Like what can yeah. I create? Dude? Yeah. Can I make like a, like a virtual space where somebody can interact with an AI version of some of my characters? Yeah. They're working on that. Yeah, you know they're what I mean? Working, yeah. I've, I've heard that like uh, an autonomous, uh, it's like an autonomous, um, like like version of yourself oh what's uh yeah an autonomous avatar yeah so like you yeah. create your avatar and then it just exists in this space and you're not even plugged in and it's just out right. there doing it it's and making brent pella jokes with it and talk to it yeah and it could be like bryler like what's up you fucking idiot dude so and, <laughs> you know what i mean and Bryler could exist in Decentraland yeah. and make you money because he'll put on shows for people and you'll just go into Decentraland and be like, crazy. getting paid. Yeah, to think that I could have like a stable of characters that exist only in a crypto space that are so wired with AI that they can interact with whoever the audience is and whoever's experiencing them. And then it's like, bro, do those, do they actually, at what point do they exist? At what point? Do we get to a space where the AI is so good that they're almost free thinking? Yeah, and that's where I'd start to go down I got rabbit holes. I'm that's just crazy. I'm listening to this great uh, uh, Joe Rogan podcast with Brian Greene, and he's like, "Oh, this, that's on my list." You, oh that's my god, it's one. so good, guys. That's drink one for the first mention <laughs> of Joe Rogan on today's episode. Cheers to that. Um, no, yeah. That, but so he's talking he about, about that? yeah, he talks well, kind of. He's talking about. Um, uh, quantum mechanics and quantum physics and how we have basic like our standard computer yeah. and then they're working on quantum computing and quantum computing is taking into account the randomness and sort of this probability that things, all these possibilities are happening. I'm not going to go into that whole physics. It's a super fun podcast. People should listen cool. to it. But it basically gets to the idea that quantum physics explains that there's a, a, a you know an a infinite number of realities where every outcome of everything that's happening can happen and yeah. that, you know, electrons don't exist in one spot. They actually exist in many spots and whatever. That's a whole thing mm -hmm. we can talk about. Um, but based, but the idea being that like our basic computers, they can do, they can kind of model stuff based on our inputs. But when you start having quantum computing, it can start modeling things the way the real world works. And mm -hmm. then you can create an A, then you can real have real AI because that, that AI is based on a mathematical model. That's actually how our real world, right? Cause like Ooh. the computers we use now, that's a, a, that's using math, but that model is like a computer language. Yeah. Whereas quantum mechanics is the math and the language of reality. Yeah. And so if you have a computer that can start processing what might happen using those mathematical equations, you can then create, well, you can create 
an idea, like a, you, it can become creative is the way he was right, describing. Right. And, and he was saying how we as humans really, really uh, define ourselves by our ability to be creative. Yeah. And as soon as you start modeling, you know, this, this modeling that's pattern recognition, but using real world. And it's like independently creative. That's yeah. what, that's the idea right now. An AI can independently come up with what to do next, but it's from like these uh, predictions that we're putting into it. Mm-hmm. But it's still using calculations that aren't based on real world, that that randomness, that that idea that anything's possible or these are the multitude of possibilities and it can go here and here and here. That's a crazy thing to calculate, right? You're calculating maybe an infinite number of stuff. So our computers can't do that. But a quantum computer in the future, it can do that. And then it can create a true AI. And then is it different than us? Isn't right. that what our brain is like? Does what is our brain rights? doing? Is it, is it a sovereign? Does it become a sovereign entity? Can it accrue money and like become powerful and wealthy? Uh, I mean, AI, I just feel like <laughs> AI is like learning about us all the time just from the internet. And one day we're going to get to this point where it's going to have all the information about humans necessary to, 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 to take us over, whatever, like create its own thing. Uh, I don't know. That's, are are uh, we already in a simulation? Ha ha ha. There we go. <laughs> that is the question. Uh, bro, let me ask you about vegetables, bro. <laughs> okay. I got to ask you about vegetables, dude. Because I've been hearing all these things about vegetables, bro. What are you hearing? I'm hearing these things about vegetables that some plants are maybe not doing what people think they're doing or are doing some things that are bad that if more people knew these things were happening inside their body, they wouldn't be eating those specific types of plants. Now... I'm a pretty meat and greens kind of guy. So I eat a lot of plants. I eat a lot of bell pepper. Uh, I have uh, this protein greens mixture in there. Mm-hmm. That's like baby spinach and pea shoots. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what else is in there. Some other stuff. Um, I, you know, tons of tomatoes, uh, probably too much tomatoes, but I try to have it proper with no skin and no seeds. Um, do you buy fresh tomatoes? I do. I buy heirloom tomatoes and I'll boil those to take the skin off and I'll squeeze them and blend them. You know, you could just get like really high quality organic tomatoes. That I do are that too. In the I do can. that. I do that. that yeah, that's probably San Marzano tomatoes. Could, yes. That's yeah. the one. Cause those are like naturally ripened. A lot of the tomatoes yeah. that you're buying in a store are chemically ripened. Mm. And so like that there's questionable of, you know, uh, like how good that is for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to get into like which, which tomato or which plant is good or bad because I think that's like a more nutrition conversation, but like on a bigger picture, it's this idea that plants uh, or or fruits and vegetables are healthy for you, that they're full of nutrients. And I think that that is something that's being called to question. Basically. I think um, for one, if all of our plants were coming from our backyard, if our soil was a really high quality soil full of all the natural nutrients, full of sulfur, which you really need sulfur in your soil to, to feed the plants and make them really nutritious. And, and we really have depleted that among a variety of other like nutrients. You know, I think in, at just the baseline, most of the plants that we're consuming are just not as nutritious as they were or as they could be, mm-hmm. right? So I think if, you're, if you've got your own garden or your friend's got a garden, if you're going to like a local, um, local supplier who's really go- farming appropriately, because there's different farming practices, right? Like 
you've got monocropping, which is bad for the planet, bad for the plants, bad for everyone. But, you know, they produce a lot of, you know, uh, cucumbers that look just perfect, right. the, you know, and they, right. they're, they're just perfect and the color is just right and the shape's just right. And that's what people are obsessed with in the supermarket. And that's just not reality. Like, you know, a funny shaped cucumber that goes it's in your backyard is a good edible. cucumber. It's yeah, very good. It's a really yeah. good cucumber. Uh-huh. Um, so I think like, uh, just this idea that you, that, that plants are good for you should be called to question. Now, I still think that having some plant food in your diet is very important. I think eating a lot of raw, raw vegetables can cause a lot of problems. Um, the obvious issue would be the pesticides that are used to keep them fresh, to get them to your plate looking the way they do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, their inherent nutrient quality from the soils that they were gr- grown in and from what's put in those soils. Um, I also worry about like this idea that, you know, we didn't evolve next to a patch of cauliflower that's just there all year. We can, we, we would come across some plants and, uh, we'd eat them and then we wouldn't eat them maybe for another year or two because you just wouldn't come across them. So that hunter gatherer pattern, uh, lends very well to rot- like seasonal eating and rotational eating and really a variety of plants. Um, so I think like there's different strategies one can think about when consuming plants to like do it in a very healthy way. But I think when you're buying the same bag of greens from the same supplier, you're setting yourself up to be overwhelmed with whatever potential toxin is there. And also mm-hmm. whatever part of that plant is trying to not be eaten. So there's this idea that a plant doesn't really want to be eaten by you. Um, it definitely doesn't want to be digested, right? Cause a lot of the plants, especially fruits, um, you know, they're trying to get, get into your body. And then that seed doesn't want to be digested cause it wants to poop out and grow another yeah, plant. I've heard this with a, lo- a couple different types of nuts. greens specifically yeah, yeah. that a lot of greens are actually really hard to digest. I don't know. It's the specific kind. Just, just greens in general. We're not, we're, we're, our guts are not built to digest a ton of plant food. It's why so many people are bloated all the time. Um, this idea that you need tons and tons of fiber was an observational study, like observational concept from a very long time ago. It was adopted cause it just sounds good. Um, and, and it, it really doesn't hold water. Like having a ton of fiber doesn't prevent colon cancer. It doesn't do a lot when you, uh, you know, the only evidence that exists to suggest it might be good for you is epidemiological evidence, which isn't good research. It's just mm-hmm. not, it's a questionnaire. It's, it's a, so we, we, we talked about that on the previous podcast, like epidemiological, epidemiological evidence should be a question and, and further questions and should never really be considered like something to follow. Um, so yeah, I think plants, uh, plants, when they're cooked, you release the nutrients. So, so they become more digestible. So I always bring up this like example of spinach. Yes, it has iron. If you eat a bag of spinach, you will be horribly bloated Mm -hmm. and you will not absorb much of the iron because you cannot digest it and you will end up pooping out a lot of that spinach. Um, If you boil pound of spinach down to this mushy goo, uh, then you can extract a lot more of that iron. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't when cook you, out when you boil it? No. Like, if you overboil it into what, nothing, but I'm saying, like, um, when you cook plants, it, it makes them more digestible and it makes their mm. nutrients more available. This is true with, uh, with uh, fermentation as well. So um, we're not great at processing plant food. So we evolved, because we have these big, beautiful brains, to process using nature. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about processed food, we mean industrial processing. We mean high pressure, high uh, potentially chem- addition of chemicals, high pressure, high heat to like modify things. But um, 
when we're cooking them or we're fermenting them, uh, those are actual natural processes. We evolved with fire, we evolved with fermentation and, and that's how you unlock nutrients. So fermented plants, I encourage people to eat regularly and fermented plants is, is something that should be part of your daily diet. Mm. And it's not part of an American diet, but it's part of many other diet. Like you can think Korean, uh, I'm Russian. Kim, it's kimchi. Kimchi is like a very, very good for your gut. Uh -huh. It produ it helps uh, deliver healthy microbiome, uh, healthy bacteria that help your gut microbiome. So I think that it's not about plants are bad and meat is good. It's about understanding our food history and understanding like our evolution, understanding our guts, our gut microbiome, understanding that what has been sold to you for the last hundred years is not healthy. That's yeah. why we are more metabolically damaged and we have more chronic medical disease. I'm, that's, I'm not saying anything uh, controversial no, here, even though, uh, facts, even though it's factual. like, but it is controversial. People will say, yeah. Oh my God, no, the spinach is so good for me. Like, no, it's not like yeah. it's, it's okay in moderation. <laughs> and, and that's what we used to talk about with meat. And I'm like, you're made of meat. when you could consume a piece of red meat, it has everything you need for the most part, not everything, but it's a very, very complete meal. And it feeds you the kinds of proteins, the absorbable proteins, the kinds of fats, the quality of the fat, to really make you thrive. Um, and, and I think that's the concept I try to like educate everyone on is that it's not about taking a position of I'm a carnivore or I'm a vegan or this or that. It's about understanding food because it's, it's so like, it's part of how you feel every day. It's part of your culture. It's yeah. so ingrained in us and getting all emotional about it and being like, Oh, this is what I eat. Cause I'm Italian or this is what I eat. Like, no, you, learn we're moving forward we're evolving we're going to be in a virtual world soon let's yeah. let, let let's like use uh, the information we have to make more thoughtful understanding so i i think that yeah there's a lot to be said about specific plants that you should be cautious about um you know nightshade vegetables are an issue for some people but yeah. really like just eating a bunch of potatoes is a real issue for some people because you it's not good for you like if you're if in a time where there wasn't any food and you couldn't you couldn't find animals like yeah you can survive on potatoes but in this world like we need to think about thriving we need to think about what how we evolved and we evolved eating animal foods mm -hmm. thriving on animal foods and as soon as we introduced grains and agriculture we we got sicker yeah and and that that is just a history lesson that needs to be embraced by everyone and, and start thinking about that so instead of you know trying to get a fake chicken nugget maybe make your own chicken nugget with a pasture-raised chicken yeah it costs more money because you because it costs more money to raise a pasture-raised chicken and it takes more time to make the chicken nugget Mm -hmm. He's got to make it because they're not making healthy pasture-raised chicken nuggets. Right. They're making weird <laughs> chemical slop chicken yeah. nuggets. Yeah. Have you ever seen a chicken nugget be made? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. For so McDonald's, gross, I've seen dude. the slime oh, that pours it's out. Like yeah. a, it's Ooh. like a pink paste. Yeah. It's like the nastiest Ugh. mixture of like ground up innards and nasty stuff. <laughs> oh, man. And then I, they bread it. And then yeah, they fry it in vegetable the bread oil. Is like not even bread. It's like all this other stuff that they Ugh. put on it to make it last. There's a video going around right now of this woman who found a bag of McDonald's that was in her house for 27 years. It was fresh. And the or fries look fresh. fresh. Yeah. yeah, the fries look legit. It, they look like you could eat them now. Because bacteria aren't trying to eat that nasty stuff. Yeah, dude, even my, the grossest little bacteria doesn't want I that. I have a dog. Mm -hmm. uh, I love my dog. Uh, follow him at Disco Doodle because he's the cutest little love thing. It. I love him. Uh -huh. um, 
But anyway, we've been raising him throughout the year, the year. And, you know, he's not, he's not driven by food. He is driven by love. So he is picky with food, which is weird and funny because he's this huge doofy dog. Yeah. But he will not touch processed food. Like, like he knows, like we've always fed him good food because I'm obsessed with the sapien diet and lifestyle. And yeah. my dog is no different than me. It should eat a, a species appropriate diet. Right. So I'm not going to feed him a bunch of bullshit. I'm going to feed him meat and mostly protein. And do you feed him raw meat? Uh, you, you know, from the store? he's too picky. No, he won't eat the raw meat. He okay. had some raw. I ground up some steaks. So like I wouldn't fuck feed him raw ground beef from the store because it you have to cook it right because it once it's ground it can you can introduce bacteria okay but if you buy a steak right and uh you either make sure it's really high quality steak or just to clean the outside right then you can grind it up and then you can eat that so that's steak tartare right because the that's inside right. of the steak I've had, is I've clean had raw steak before. Oh, i yeah. love steak it's, tartare it's pretty like it felt like dangerous he'll oh no it's just because so like you're always like ooh, e. coli is everywhere, yeah yeah you know? with a raw quail egg on top ooh. what yeah and that's the french a raw quail yeah. egg now they pickle the quail egg but yeah you could put a raw egg on top that's whoa like, used to have that i think it was called it's a French restaurant in the valley what do you is it ukraine is that ukrainian that's french that's french french what do you what do you dip in you take like a little dad, like it's like a raw, it's like raw ground beef, mm-hmm. um, some vinegar and spices. stuff to give it spices, vinegar, just over the top, and then like an egg, and then little crackers, and you have it like a little wow. appetizer. Mm. And the egg, you dip straight into the egg. Oh, you mix it up. Yeah, you, you get the, yeah, yeah, make it all. Wow. I mean, people think, I love, I grew up eating stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, that's so crazy. So I don't you, recommend it. Don't, don't go eating raw eggs and get mad at me. But, yeah. But <laughs> if you go to a nice French French restaurant and they have steak tartare, right? yeah. oh my god! What? Uh, so did you grind up the steak for your dog? Ground up the steak for my dog. He loved it. But my big point about it is the dog can tell crappy processed food from yeah. like real food. So if I get even like nasty, like if I try to give him like nasty dry chicken, yeah. it's been sitting in the fridge. He won't touch it. If I try to give him some processed food that like we're not eating, he won't touch it. But like only high quality food and. I guess my point about that is like, we know as animals, like we know, yeah. like, you know, if it's good for you, even if it's not good for you, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think people start ignoring, they're like, walk around bloated and farting all the time and pooping 14 times a day. And it's just like, well, you're not supposed, you're to, you're not supposed to do that. Like you don't yeah. need to do that. And you don't need to eat <laughs> 10 times a day. I'm being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm being, you know, uh, dramatic about it, but it's just this, these ideas about food culture are so wrong and people are so brainwashed and i'm starting to use more of this language because it's like you gotta wake up you know like if you're feeling like shit and you're sick you can't just keep like oh i'm not eating enough plants no you're not just stop and eat like fast right talked about fasting a lot last time fasting is still the most powerful intervention i've ever learned yep as a physician honestly um it's actually been one of the biggest parts of my health journey mm -hmm. uh over the past like three years. Yeah. Um, just straight up, not as, especially over the past, like couple months where I've really dialed in. Cause I go through these phases a couple months, I'll do mm-hmm. it hardcore. I'll have a couple weeks where I just eat right away. Like, but now I'm, I'm back in my zone. Of What's like, your fasting schedule? I typically will only eat starting at noon between noon and one. And then I'll have my last bite around nine. And then I'm sleeping around midnight, 1230. And then I'm up at eight. Um, 
I need my eight hours. I need eight hours. Yeah, eight me hours. too. Like I need I a nine hours sometimes. Yeah. I don't mess around. Sleep is legit, dude. Sleep, <laughs> I, I'm not one of those four-hour people I tried to be, and it just does not work. That's another thing. We grew up in a time as kids where it yeah. was like venerated to like not need a lot of sleep, and those people yeah. end up with brain disease. Right. It's like all these things that we grew up being told is yeah. healthy for us. I am realizing, and I'm a young doctor. I've been in private practice now for five years, and every year I just have to keep changing what I recommend and changing how I live my life because I'm yeah. like, holy shit, half of the stuff they taught me was really, really, it wasn't just, it wasn't just like, it was wrong. It was just yeah. flat out it was like wrong. Bad. It's bad. I have patients coming to me. They got diagnosed with diabetes and their, their providers are like, oh, you should just eat whole grains, whole, whole wheat. Grains. Yeah. Whole grains, like a whole wheat. So they come it's to me, their A1C is up because they're eating whole wheat, yeah. you know, pasta every day. And I'm like, come on people. Just cut the carbs. You embrace concept. It's no like low carb is not a fad. It is common sense. Yeah. It is evidence based. It is ancestral medicine. It is simple. It yeah. is simple. Yeah. But yeah, you got to de-brainwash yourself. You got to be like, holy shit, I was wrong about this. Uh, holy shit, I really need fat and animal food. And yeah. there's ways to do it in the right way. And it's not just about thinking about the sad piggy on the video that you saw. Like, it's just that life is more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, dude. It's yeah. so true. I, and meat, meat. I eat a lot of meat. I, yeah. of meat. I think I eat meat every day. Good. And I felt bad you're a about healthy that young man. like two years ago. Yeah. But, <laughs> but then I, I did like vegan for two weeks and I just felt awful and I lost tons yeah. of weight and I was like, I can't, I, I was, wasn't working out properly. And, yeah. um, I ate eggs, tons of eggs, yeah tons of eggs. It's your, what percentage of your diet is meat right now? Uh, I say like, uh, my, like an animal based diet, like an animal based diet. Animal that, based, so yeah. Eggs, animal based is a better meat. way to think about it okay. and high quality dairy. I think a lot of people yeah. can, a lot more people can tolerate dairy than they think they can. And, and by the way, we're talking about general, right? So one thing that I always talk about is you, there's general concepts. I wanted to come and talk to you like, because you have a really broad audience. This isn't a low carb audience or whatever. I'm just <laughs> trying to like reach anyone who's willing to listen about general food concepts that you should think about and change. Right. Yeah. But it's different if you're diabetic, it's different if you have heart disease, it's yeah. different at, yeah. if you're elderly, you know, so, uh, you know, going through each one of those, like, so don't, don't extrapolate everything I'm saying, because I, even though a lot of what I'll say is like, actually an elderly person should eat way more protein than even you and me. And, and that's weird and shocking. Cause all they eat is fiber and they're just all constipated on four, you know, mm -hmm. constipation meds and like, Oh, so every old person is constipated. No, it's cause you're pumping them full of fiber and, and they need mm. protein. So there's a lot of like yeah, nuance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. so much nuance. For and, sure. and I try to like, um, Really, you know, there's other doctors talking about the details like, oh, this plant is bad and that plant is bad. And my real approach is let's talk about concepts that everyone can adopt and then make a thoughtful decision about what their diet should look like yeah. and connect with a doctor like me or a health coach or a nutritionist that understands what I'm talking about and create that diet. Go on your own health journey. This is like the message. It's like, don't join the carnivore tribe. Don't join the sapien tribe. Those are great tribes for you or him or him, but maybe not a great tribe for someone else. Right. The idea is just open your mind to the food, to food as like this really important thing that you should learn, 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 learn about mm -hmm. so that you can make. So back to, so you get it. So yeah. back to what was I saying about, um, about meat. I think like 70, 80% of your calories should be coming from healthy animal based sources. It could be different for some people. Um, but that's where I, where I land. 
Um, I'm really thoughtful about the plant food that I put in. I'm really, uh, for me, uh, low sugar fruits. So a fruit is anything that has a seed in it. Yeah. So when you think about a tomato or a cucumber or a bell pepper, those are actually fruit. They're not uh, a vegetable. So Ooh. that's an interesting thing, thing, thing to think about. So I really emphasize low sugar fruits as a really healthy option of, of, uh, of plant food. And that, again, there's caveats like with tomatoes, but just, just thinking about it, like olives, avocados, c coconuts, uh, bell peppers, cucumbers, all fruits, all fruits. And those tend to be pretty darn good for you. If you're, especially if you're able to get some organic ones and mm -hmm. you know, you might have to cook them and, and do other things. And that's what you discover as you go through your journey, but understanding that low sugar fruits, and then, you know, going down that path, you start thinking, well, what is a healthy oil? Cause I, I will tell you probably one of the worst things you could put in your body is vegetable oil. These canola oils, yeah, yeah. sunflower oil, yeah. a rapeseed oil, which is canola, uh, canola oil is rapeseed oil and corn oil, corn oil by itself. Ooh. So these are really bad fats, like really, really, really bad. And I think are probably a root, root cause for many of the metabolic issues and also like gut issues that people are dealing with these days because this uh, this omega six high oil is just really, really bad for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so what's a healthy oil fruit oil, olive oil. Uh, so, but it's simple. Olive, I coconut, so much olive, olive oil, coconut, dude. and coconut and avocado. Yeah. And again, you can't go. I think that it's about moderation and me personally, I, I definitely emphasize animal fats. I use ghee, grass fed ghee, grass fed mm -hmm. butter. I use beef tallow and lard uh, to cook when almost exclusively. Things. Oh, wow. Almost exclusively. If All I'm right. dressing a salad, I like olive oil because it's got yeah. a nice flavor to it. It's just nice. Yeah, salad. I'm not going to put beef tallow <laughs> in my salad. Or you know, yeah. ghee. Animal fats are solid at room temperature. So yeah. that becomes, that's where like with cooking, but, but ghee, man, grass fed ghee will make all your food taste better. It's so high in omega-3. I've never threes. cooked with ghee. It's amazing. Clarified I've, I've butter. with tallow. It's just clarified butter. It's oh, just okay. butter that's right. boiled so that the, so the proteins the are gone. You can make your own ghee. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's the best. It smells like bacon. It's incredible. Ooh. You can flavor. Like, so what I'll often do is like melt it down and then like take my Brussels sprouts because I do love myself some Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Um, and I like roll them around in the ghee and then they like crisp up and they taste like 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 meaty almost. That's They're good. So you want to know what I do, bro? It's awesome. <laughs> Next step, because you know I like to cook. I'll do homemade bone broth, which I try to do once a week or at least twice a month. And I'll make a lot. And it's like tons of mushrooms in there. I love mushrooms. I, mushrooms are like... We can talk about mushrooms. Amazing. We'll get into mushrooms. Because they're not... They're their own kind of... Oh, they're their own thing. They're not even they're a plant. They're legit yeah. like an animal. Like they're mushrooms animal. are like their own unique beings. Um, so we'll have the mushroom conversation in a minute. But I'll do like tons of mushrooms... Uh, celery and carrot just for the flavor and onion for the flavor shit ton of garlic like way too much yeah. garlic um, throw and some then ginger, throw some ginger in there it's really good I could do that too. next yep yeah, I'd do nice. that next uh, a lot of bone marrow and then maybe like a chicken piece or something with some tendons and cartilage or whatever and I'll make it it's like a 10 hour simmer mm -hmm. so I go it's pretty legit and I'm scooping the shit off the top and I'm doing good all the things <laughs> and then at the end I have some but it's frozen so you can't have any I'll, I'll make some I got enough you got, you bone broth things. in my yeah. house thank you <laughs> what I love to do but my favorite thing to do with the broth is not only to use the liquid in the sauce or to just to drink it but the fat cap that forms when you put it in the fridge I'll scoop that bitch out and I'll cook in that and I'll cook that's, beef, I'm making, that's tallow. That's tallow, exactly. And so I'll cook you vegetables can... in that, maybe with some butter to make it more of a sauce or with some olive oil. 
Um, I collect. It's unbelievable. My, it's I so collect delicious. all these fats. You make that soup. You get that that beef tallow. I like often. Yeah, uh, you keep the fat. You just keep it. Like just, if you're cooking bacon, you drain the fat after you keep the fat in a little dish and cover the, it. The trick is to cook. put the bacon on a rack yes. in a dish and, and then the and fat then melts down. You put it in the oven. You eat the bacon. The you put it in the oven. Yeah. That's actually a better way to cook it anyway. It comes yep. out more even. Yep. And then you pour off and then you just got beautiful lard. Yep. And lard's good for you. Like good pork, especially if it's a high quality bacon. Like um, we used to in America a hundred years ago, cook with beef tallow and lard. That's like what we cooked with. Yeah. Um, you know, McDonald's used to cook all their stuff in beef tallow. Yeah. Um, they switched because there's the vilification of animal foods and animal fats, especially. And that has very, very, very little to do with science and a lot to do with like social pressures and, and corporate pressures and financial incentives. And, mm -hmm. and it's really sad because we were on a good path. You know, we, we were healthy people and we can be healthier now. Yeah. But, um, you want to talk about mushrooms, bro? <laughs> I love mushrooms. Bro, you want to talk about mushrooms, dude? What you got? <laughs> dude, uh, did you watch, um, do you know who Paul Stamets is? Of course. Is? Did you watch I watched Fantastic Fungi? I watched Fantastic Fungi. Great, I've seen it twice. I've read books and articles. I'm a really awesome. big, I think mushrooms are so important. They're awesome. so important for our planet. Yeah. Right? They're such an intricate part of our whole ecosystem. Um, they're powerful. They're awesome food, so I love to cook with mushrooms. They're an awesome medicine, mm -hmm. uh, both as a psychedelic experience, but also there's adaptogenic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I brought you our new Sapien product. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we, yeah. Have, we, we came up with a nootropic, so there's mushrooms that are thought to really enhance your cognition, like lion's mane and reishi. Yeah. Um, mushrooms have been part of Ayurvedic medicine and ancient Chinese medicine, and uh, just like real powerful herbs and, and all of these things have always been part of humanity and mushrooms are so great. They're yeah. so delicious. Uh, my, my, my wife actually, she's like, they taste like flesh. Like she feels like they're fleshy, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, that's why I love it. Yeah, I yeah. love it. They it's, have like a fleshy so texture. So yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love shiitake. Uh, I have a bunch of porcini in the cabinet. Um, but the, the, health the specific health benefits of some of these mushrooms is like really wild and i'm speaking from experience not just reiterating facts that i've heard or read i uh took shroom tech from on it yeah they have I a love great it. supplement called love shroom it. tech the coffee i drink has mushrooms um and it's lower caffeine actually four sigmatic has the like one cup of four sigmatic coffee has half the caffeine of a typical cup of coffee but they have cordyceps and lion and other things in it. I think it's lion's mane and cordyceps. Lion's mane, I think yep. those are the two. Yeah. And then uh, Four Sigmatic just has a straight up mushroom elixir, and yes. that's like it has no caffeine, and that will wake me up and have me like good for a day. And it, it it's like a buzziness that has no drop off. Yeah. And it doesn't have like the jitters of caffeine or like the real buzz of caffeine. It's like a mellow. I mean, it's not a psychedelic buzz, but it's like a cognitive buzz that I get. It's like a, a little cognitive boost that I can, I feel when I, when I have it, it's unbelievable. It's, it's so weird because I started taking nootropics, which are mostly mushroom mm -hmm. uh, supplements, um, maybe four years ago when on it came out with uh, alpha brain. Cool. And, uh, that I heard on Joe Rogan podcast. Guys, that's string two for the second mention of Joe Rogan on today's podcast. Thank you. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I I was so shocked because I took it and I'm like, this is some bullshit. Like, I, you know, I was just learning about all this stuff, and yeah. at no point in my medical training did anyone mention mention that mushrooms are cognitive enhancing or healthy yeah. for you. It was just like mushrooms. I don't know. Like, it wasn't even part of anything. And I took it. I was like, holy cow, this mm-hmm. is powerful, and you know, it gives me an edge and. There's no, you're not cracked out and it's not addictive and it's natural and it's so good. That's what inspired us to make brain fuel. Um, it's just like all, it's, it's like all this stuff that I heard about from my mom that her, that her grandma would do for her and yeah. mother Russia. Yeah. Like all these like things that my parents, parents did for health. These like holistic type well, like, things like. I talk about, you know, acute stressors. Uh, I'd love to get into this, this, this idea of chronic versus acute stress. Did we talk about that? Is that, that's not, okay. We'll talk about that. But basically all of these traditional ways of being healthy, going in a sauna and spending a lot of time in a sauna, then jumping into a cold plunge, then going back into a sauna, uh, you know, fasting, um, eating these different foods, like, uh, fermented foods and liver and, um, little, little sardines and, I had sardines last night. and like the, the training, the Russian training with the kettlebells, this high intensity training. That's not like what I grew up with, like Don Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff, all these little things from my childhood that my dad would tell, talk about and my mom that I was like, they don't know anything that was in Russia a hundred years ago. Shut up. Yeah. That's the stuff I find myself recommending to people and adopting in my own life and immediately getting healthier, immediately feeling better. Like, uh, like no question, like, you know, you need, you need 60,000 people to prove that a statin will decrease a cardiovascular event after you treat 60 people, one person will have a decrease. And that's the drug that I'm supposed to prescribe to everyone. But the obvious overwhelming benefit of taking an adaptogenic mushroom in the morning, there's no research for that. No one wants to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And it's just it continues to give me a sour taste about Western medicine. Cause it's such a Western medicine. I'm not poo-pooing it. It has so much power. We've done so much with infectious disease, uh, hygiene, uh, emergency care, uh, intensive care. But we have like went backwards a hundred years it, it, when it comes to let's say keeping a person healthy. Yeah. Like we're just, all we do is make people sick or keep people sick, right? They yeah. get sick and then we like keep them sick. Yeah. And then we, we just do research and research and research on how to maintain that baseline basically. And, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm a little all over the place. It's okay. Dude, that's what mushrooms do. Baby. Uh, that's what mushrooms do. I want to tell you this concept and this is the concept I think that's most exciting for that. I've been kind of developing. So, it's this idea of acute stress versus chronic stress, how to leverage stress to be healthy and how to like, again, be thoughtful and understanding about stress mm-hmm. and stressors and how they affect you so that you could better navigate a modern world. Let me explain. Okay. So chronic stress is what makes us sick. Okay. Chronic stress is worry, worrying about bills, anxiety, being anxiety. It's, it's just the chronic stress. It's sitting in traffic. It's being stressed out that you have to go to work and do something you don't want to do. Uh, stress can also come from things like, like family pressures up, you know, Mm -hmm. issues with family members, uh, legal. I I mean, chronic stress is just the world we live in. It's, it's the, I even consider chronic stress is like the phone blasting you with information, right? Information's good. But when it's this overwhelming flow of like, especially conflicting information and advertising, it's stressful. It causes stress for your brain. Yeah. And so that is what beats us down. 
you know, food, eating food all the time, especially bad food, processed food. It creates stress in your body. Your body constantly has to digest. It can't clear itself out. It can't heal itself. It has no time to actually rest and recover. It's just constantly being fed. Um, some even exercise strategies when people are like not healthy, right? And like, I'm gonna go run a marathon and then they just start putting miles on their body. Like, mm -hmm. and they think that's healthy. No, it's not, it's not healthy to just pummel yourself. That's chronic stress. That's how people hurt themselves. Knee issues, back issues. Uh, you know, so chronic stress is what the world delivers to us. Right. And we need to figure out how to manage it and what what we're taught is to rest is to take a vacation and what happens we've all been on a vacation you go on a vacation for a week or whatever and you come back and it takes less than 24 hours to get stressed out it takes one terrible email from someone and you're right back to like being in it and like freaking out sure because you have no resilience and you have no coping mechanisms for this stress and rest you need it. You need to recover, but it doesn't make you more capable of managing chronic stress. It's just rest. It's just that. So I talk about when it comes to like lifestyle medicine and, and things you can do as opposed to pills and like interventions, I talk about acute stresses and leveraging acute stress, stacking acute stresses to build resilience. Mm -hmm. There's this saying that like, with no, no gain, no pain, no gain. Right. So it takes acute stress to get stronger, to become more resilient to acute stress physically. So let me explain mentally. Yeah. Acute stressors. I've kind of packaged five that I think anyone can use starting today. They can hear this talk or they come to me in clinic and they can start adding these immediately. Mm -hmm. So, so we'll start with food, intermittent fasting. Yeah. Intermittent fasting is a stressor. It yep. causes you, you can't eat your body, you know, has to tap into its glucose sources in its liver. It then starts burning fat to make energy. Now I'm using the word stress liberally because ultimately your body wants to do these things. It wants to go into ketosis. It wants to empty the liver out. Um, it, you know, during fasting, you do all these amazing things like repair your mitochondria and heal up your gut. The membrane between you and the rest of the world, like starts cleaning up those mitochondria and those cells. So it can do a better job, mm -hmm. clear out your gut and you poop everything out and you sort of reset yourself. So fasting is great, great, great. We talked about that before, but I think about it as sort of this acute stress because the longer you fast, the more challenging it is. It's not easy. You get better at it. Like you and me, we do that 16, eight method. I don't even call what you do fasting. What I do fasting that eating at 12 to one last meal around nine, that's like normal eating, but yeah. relative to the rest of the world and the way we grew up, that is fasting. But you know, I, there is a benefit to do some, uh, and I really encourage people to think about it is OMAD one meal a day, doing that every once in a while, oh. it pushes your fast a little further. You get deeper into this process of autophagy where you're cleaning out your mitochondria and, and mm -hmm. you're sort of healing yourself. So yeah. rebuilding yourself, rebuilding yourself. So, and then, and then there's even, there's other evidence and a lot of people in the anti-aging space where they're doing two, three, four day fasts, and that pushes your body even further to heal and recover. But wow. those are stressors yeah. and you have to do them thoughtfully. You have to make sure you're hydrating and you make sure you're taking in the right amount of minerals, magnesium, sodium chloride, potassium. Like you, there's all this stuff you have to do. So that's an acute stress from a nutritional standpoint. Mm -hmm. Then you have a physical stress is like 
high intensity interval training. And this idea that, yeah, like you can go for a marathon and it'll break you down, or you could just do sprints for 20 minutes and get all the cardiovascular benefit, more muscular benefit, even more powerful hormonal changes from just sprinting. Like, like a lot of doctors in the physical medicine space are really encouraging people that like want to lose visceral fat and want to like get really fit drop the long distance running where you're at moderate pace, 40, 50% exertion, go and do sprints, do sets where you're exerting yourself 80, 90%, do a set of four, eight, 10, whatever you can tolerate. You're going to get all this benefit with not so much wear and tear, but that's an acute stress lifting. Like, you know, they, we always talk about like lifting to exertion, Mm -hmm. like lifting to failure. That's an acute stress. And then you get stronger, but like doing like a million sets, you don't get a lot more benefit because it's not leveraging the stress. So you're leveraging the acute stress. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Leveraging fasting, leveraging acute stress. And then I got, get into like these three other ones that I think people don't think about is cold immersion therapy. So cold therapy, ice bath, ice bath, taking a cold shower, I take a cold shower when I wake up. I love it. All right. I love it. Dr. That's a, Gary, but approved. it's an, please. It's so good for you. It, it yeah. releases proteins that are really healthy for you. It, uh, it wakes up your nervous system. It increases your production and activity of brown fat, which increases your metabolism. Brown fat. Brown fat. Brown fat versus what white is fat. brown can... fat? Brown fat. Brown fat. So give me. So you've given me. Score, <laughs> so these acute. Are we stressors. back in it right now? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, so. Oh yeah, acute stressors. Let me let me re, re let me say. Almost finished. So because I want to learn. So this is um, uh, intermittent fasting uh, is one. Um, the other one was, uh, working out high intensity, interval high intensity, the hit training. Yeah. Um, and, as and opposed sprinting. to like long and also would just like incorporating some hit training mixed with long interval training, as long as your recovery process is right. Cause for me, the, probably the biggest part of my workout is the recovery is what I do immediately after and in the day after or in, during an off day. What am I putting into my body? How am I treating my body is just as important, if not more important than the sprint drills that I do on the sand, right? Or like how hard I go playing basketball or how far I run. If it's a distance day, um, like what I do after is very important. So, uh, there's those two. And then the, what was the third? Okay, so then I got into cold therapy. Cold therapy, yes. Heat therapy, which has been mm-hmm. used by humans for thousands and thousands of years, like being in a sauna and pushing yourself to where you're really, really hot and uncomfortable and yeah. staying there a little bit longer. It releases these heat shot proteins. Um, uh, it's really good for your nervous system and brain. It's very similar to cold immersion therapy, but just challenging your body's um, ability to deal with that stress. Um, and then a fun one to think about is deep breathing. So mm-hmm. if you really have ever done a Wim Hof or any of these other deep breathing strategies, it's really quite challenging. It's re- even just breathing and like thinking about your breathing and doing a relaxation, meditative breathing. Yeah. If you're really taking those breaths and you're really focused, it's really quite challenging. And as a result, all of these things cause your body to release hormones that help you grow and get stronger and more resilient. Uh, on a psychological and spiritual level, if you can mentally be strong enough to convince yourself to jump in a cold bath and sit there and deal with the discomfort, then dealing with the bullshit that's coming at you from your emails or your phone just becomes easier. Yeah. I try to, so a lot of this stuff has evidence-based research to suggest why it's really good for you, um, for your health. Right. And, and I, I mentioned some of that, like with the heat shock proteins, whatever I've mentioned it. My point is that 
I want people to conceptualize it as what are we really doing? We are mimicking our ancestral past. We mm -hmm. are mimicking the life that we human beings have lived for hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years. And, and we have to do this. We have to consciously do this because the world we live in is so opposite from the world that our bodies and our minds want. So we're not going to get rid of social media. We're not going to get rid of this overwhelming input of information, but we can build our spirit, our minds and our brains to be more resilient to it and have coping mechanisms. Like when you have a really shitty day, cause someone like something again, a nasty email or something bad happened to you. Like someone should talk there. You, you know, you got sure. censored by a YouTube yeah, or whatever. Right, like yeah. th that's pretty devastating for a guy who's building his platform. Like, you know, that's this chronic stress of like having to do this job and stuff. But if you're out there doing the sprints and then you go and jump in a sauna and you can really like challenge yourself, your mind will be thinking about your body and like being in that moment. And it puts you in that moment and that's healing. Yeah. And it, it, it gives you that escape mentally and spiritually, and it boosts your body's ability to deal with a challenge. It makes you stronger, helps balance your hormones. So, and it's all of the things together when you start mixing them and it's not what it's not is doing any one of those things obsessively, yeah. right? It's not like I'm going to go do sprints every day and not rest and not let my body heal up or I'm going to jump in the cold bath every day until I could sit there forever. Yeah. That's not really the point. The point is like we live these dynamic lives in the outdoors where we had to run and hunt and we had to, you know, meditate out while we're doing some like medial menial task to like build something. There's all these things that we just don't do anymore. And so rat, how do I convince or how do I teach people how to incorporate these ancestral principles into their lives? And I've thought of this kind of explanation of like, you live in a world of chronic stress and you're going to leverage and bring in these acute stressors. Mm -hmm. You're not going to work out. You're not going to fast. You're going to, you're going to bring in these stressors. And when you're really wanting to like feel stronger and better, that's a day where you might only eat one meal and you're like, that's going to make me feel better. Yep. Because mm -hmm. you know that that acute stress is going to make you feel you're, you're feeling bloated. You're feeling heavy. You had a heavy week of like eating shit. You're going to start doing your fasts. You're going to jump in the cold shower in the morning. You're going to go and you know, I'm not going to be worried about, oh, I got to spend a whole hour in the gym doing all this bullshit. I want, nope. I'm going to spend 20 minutes and I'm going to do 10 sprints for 30 seconds until I like can't sprint anymore. And yeah. then I'm not, and then I'm going to rest because I'm busy and I have a million things to do and I can't work out every day, but I know that that 20 minutes I spent, I got maximal benefit from it because I leveraged that acute stress by mimicking what my ancestors experienced. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this. It's, now, a lot of what, what I really love about your approach to like medicine and your philosophies behind it are so rooted in history and like the human experience of history rather than being rooted in like new technologies or new ways of looking at things uh, in the present based on our system of medicine now and Western ingenuity that leads to discoveries. And it's much, it's much more your, your philosophies tend to be more rooted in past experiences and how those can be leveraged for the way humans live today. What was like a, like, how do, how do you think that way? That's not taught. That doesn't seem like something that's taught no, at med school. So did, were these practices that you were just interested in 
historically, like you just had an interest in history or what, what were some of the like early influences to get you to start thinking in that historical context? Yeah. I mean, I just always challenged what I was being taught. Like I, I came into medical school from a background in neuroscience. I was doing neuroscience research at UCLA. We did some really fantastic work looking at, um, uh, how neurons behave to to, to learn about spaces in, in the world. And I did really, really exciting stuff. I got published. I almost went towards a PhD. So I came into medicine as a scientist. Like I really felt that way. I was like, I'm here to like question and learn and bring my spin on it. I always, and one of the things I said to myself as I was going to med school, cause I saw so many doctors that I would shadow really have lost themselves to medicine. They're sort of in a miserable job. They're just doing the same thing over and over again. They gained a bunch of weight. They had kids and they, they're gone. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're gone in my eyes. I'm like, you lost the person that was when you started. So I made a commitment to myself that I would like eat right and exercise and stay fit and like be connected with my family because I wasn't going to like finish my training and be a piece of shit Yeah, and like, Oh yeah, I'm a doctor. I'm cool. But like I I've lost every other part of my life that was unacceptable to me. Um, so I came into it with like a very skeptical eye from the beginning. And as I was just going through training, uh, medical school, the first two years were really cool because you just learn a lot of basic science. So a lot of what I'm talking about is taught in me- medical school, basic science, a mm-hmm. lot of the low carb stuff, understanding how your how, how the Krebs cycle works, something simple like that. And going through all those mechanisms, understanding pathophysiology, what happens when things go wrong and, and why, like mm-hmm. what was the cause of it? It's a lot, it's in there. And what changes on a dime is when you get into clinical medicine. When you get into those second two years where you start practicing and you start like telling people what to do and ordering things and yeah. that the recommendations that you're taught to give from the American Heart Association, from the college of this or that, or the, the health institutes, those things did not match the science I had learned. And I, I picked up on that right away. Yeah. Those things were driven by research studies on this drug or that drug or this like this like uh, epidemiological evidence that was like from 50 years ago that had never been followed up with any, mm-hmm. you know, bench work. So I, I immediately started like being, uh, started and I'm, I'm very, I feel like very sensitive to the person in front of me. I feel them. I like, I just, I can feel the person, whether they're happy, sad, sick. Like I can just, you know, there's a vibe like when you yeah. look at someone, so I, I, I immediately, as I started seeing patients as a young uh, medical student, like getting good at like helping people give it, giving them a recommendation based on the person that was in front of me, not the recommendation that was taught to me. So I immediately was stepping away from the recommendations. And then I went through residency as an internal medicine resident. And it was very much like, this is the problem. These are the criteria. This is the recommendations. Yeah. And, and that, and I accepted that actually, I was like, okay, this is cool. Like they've done all this research. This is what you do. Cool. Like, let's go rock and roll. Yeah. And I started doing that. And then, and then the next year, the recommendation changed to something dramatically different than oh, what wow. I was recommending. Yeah. And I was like, hold on. They're making this shit up as we're going along. Yeah, like yeah. they're literally making it up. They're saying that we know. And then the next year they're saying, well, now we know this. And, and mm. so it just made me go like, well, well, what about, 
what, what about everything else that people talk about? So you're saying all of my naturopathic colleagues, sure, they can be kooky, but like they're crazy. They're completely wrong. I don't think so. I think they're, they're learning some pretty meaningful stuff. All of the Chinese medicine, all of the stuff that my mom, like I said, when I was really young would talk to me about all that stuff is wrong. Like mm -hmm. really the liver pate is bad for me. Like I, I'd ask myself these questions long before I ever discovered any kind of like personal approach to healthcare or, or nutrition or any of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I quickly got the the reputation in my training as like the the complainer and i was like i'm not complaining everyone i'm i'm, I'm asking meaningful Question. questions yeah so um because i was in the hospital medicine you don't really the food and nutrition it's not even a part of it. it's whatever shit the, the the cafeteria gives them you can't you order a low carb diet you order a heart healthy diet it's all the same junk it's yeah. just junk it wasn't we never talked about it we never looked at it i never took a bottle of glucerna or insure and turned it around and saw what chemicals were in there it was never on my radar so i ended up really focusing on end of life care because I was like, well, here's a place that is, we have done so little effort. Like doctors are so uncomfortable with it. And there's done so little effort that my interpersonal skills immediately let me give good, meaningful medicine because I was like, oh, well I understand like what a human being needs to support them in this situation. And, yeah. and then, you know, there's a lot of great research coming out that was very humanistic and very like lifestyle medicine. Like we should just support them. We should do hospice. We should give them pain medicines. We should, you know, let them eat whatever they want. Like, like we should give them the freedom and the dignity of dying without being a tube stuffed right. down their mouth. I really connected with that. And that's where I sort of like flowered as a, in residency as a, as a doctor. I, I think that's where I was like, Oh, I'm particularly good at this. Almost did that as a specialty, but I just really was, by the end of it, I was like so, so like disgusted with Western medicine and training and how they treat residents and, and how people were coming out like with these accolades, but they really didn't know what they were doing or they really thought they knew what they were doing, but themselves were really unhealthy. And it was just all very like, this isn't right. Like there's something wrong with this. So I went off and just start, got a job in a hospital and I started my own private practice because of my parents. And, and I was like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I literally, I'm Brent. I like, I had no idea what was going to happen. I was yeah. like, I was like evolve healthcare. Yeah. I'm going to evolve my way of thinking about it. But I had no clue where that would take me. I just knew that what I was taught and what I was doing in the hospital and what I was being trained to do in the clinic was like not helping people. It just yeah. wasn't helping people. Yeah. It was making money. It was kind of turning the wheels of the of machine the, of the machine. Yeah. 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 It's, it's staying in the same cycle. That's just been perpetuated years and years and yeah, years. And that's just not my game. Like I never yeah. was, I was, I, I have this, uh, punk rock attitude. Like I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm smart. I can learn stuff. I can read stuff and I can change my mind. So yeah. even if I decide today, just like they can change their mind about their recommendations, uh, just like Johnson and Johnson was the best vaccine. Now it's the worst vaccine. Now this vaccine, just like they keep changing. I get to keep changing. Yeah. I, I am a smart person. I'm a scientist. I'm a doctor. I'm a human. And medicine I, should be evolving, right? It's what should, it always was. Yeah, it should always be evolving with new practices, especially as, as it's so subjective based on who the person is or the patient is. And now the stuff you're doing is super different. Like you're doing uh, psychedelic therapy. Hoping to do psychedelic. We had a psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy yeah. program with ketamine before COVID that unfortunately, like I couldn't keep it up. So we're, okay. we're, we're still working really hard because I believe- But it's an interest of yours. Passion. It's a, it's a passion. I okay, think, cool. I think ketamine, psilocybin, mm -hmm. MDMA, uh, as well as other uh, things like Ibogaine, there's other medicines 
that can really heal people. Iboga. Can, Iboga. Do, you, do you know about Iboga? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, I was half joking. Yeah, no, ayahuasca, <laughs> ayahuasca has a role. Isn't Iboga the frog one, the toad? Uh, I think that's the toad it's one. the toad poison. No, uh, yeah, no, no. Isn't the toad uh, the 5-MOI? I think it's a boga. It's it might a boga. be both, but I just know a boga is something to do with a frog or a toad. Yeah, I, I, I've stayed. So some of those, uh, some of those more extraneous ones. I'm more, more personally. I'm more focused on the things that I could bring to patients in the next five to ten years. Yeah, which would that be is ketamine, and MDMA, and psilocybin. Cool. Those are three drugs that are extremely powerful. Have tons of great evidence to support their benefit. Yeah. Um, the evidence is just coming out now through the VA and other studies that are ongoing. The Maps program. Yep. So so. That's where I want to, I, I, you know, other people can talk about some of those other things. Uh, I, I think those three drugs are meaningful. They're, 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 look, we have ketamine programs all around the country already. MDMA is not far away. They're, they're decriminalizing psilocybin. These things are happening. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's huge. But, but more importantly, like to kind of really answer your question, I just, I realized that despite all of my best efforts, when I would follow recommendations, I would get, if I'm not working out two hours a day, I would get unhealthy. I would start feeling the effects of life. And I always frustrated me. And, um, I was always open-minded to like learning new things. And about four or five years ago, me and my, one of my best friends, Brian Sanders, of uh, food lies. He started yep. going down his own journey cause his family was sick and he didn't want to be sick. And we started learning and reading books and it just all unfolded. Like it unfolded. And, and, uh, why I don't emphasize all the evidence-based medicine is because there's a, there's a whole community uh, of very smart physicians and scientists doing the research and promoting this stuff. I, I think that if you're really going to get through to people, if you're really going to like touch you know, and I, I, I like to dream big. I want to touch as many people as possible. Like most people don't understand what it means to have a double blind placebo control study. And they really shouldn't because th there's, those are, there's so many caveats to science. What you can connect with is history. You, mm -hmm. We all have our great, great grandfathers and where they're from. We all know we can read a history book and learn about our history. We can all also feel our bodies, right? So when someone tells you to eat a bunch of fiber and you feel bloated, that should tell you something. And if I can suggest fasting and then you fast and you feel great, that's all it takes really. So I try to come at all this stuff from an approach of like, what does every human can connect with? And I think yeah. history, our ancestry, our kind of mind, body, spirit access of like how all this stuff connects. That's where I think I can, I can have a voice and really like, connect with people because I can refer you to books and podcasts where they talk about each individual research thing and why fasting is so great and why cold immersion is so great and why this, this plant is bad and why meat is good and why the argument against meat is bad. Yeah. It's like, it's an argument. I'm not trying to argue here. I'm trying to show people that there's a way to think about life like vaccines, like food, like, like going out and smiling at your neighbor, like just this, all this stuff. You can think about it in a more humanistic way, in a more evolutionary way, in a more ancestral way where you could connect with, again, like your ancestors and the past and the stories you heard from your grandma. You know, there's there's this there's this there's this thread that connects it all. And, and that thread leads leads towards the kind of recommendations I recommend. And that's not sitting on your couch and eating processed food. Yeah. It's like going on a like a run 
and yeah. sitting in the sun. We didn't even talk about how important sun exposure is. Yeah, and vitamin D, you know, vitamin D. Like all these things, you know, like we, we were, we were meant to be in the sun and slowly get sun exposure over the year and build up your melanin. So you don't get sunburned, but you can continue to make high amounts of vitamin D a hormone mm-hmm. that drives your immune system and your gut health and your brain health. Mm-hmm. All this stuff was minimized during my training. Just like vitamin D is nothing. You know, you got to eat more frequent. Like just so much. I don't know if it's bad information, if it's propaganda. It's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And I'm just going to like, and every year, hopefully people that are listening to this podcast hear like a more dialed version. Because I, I think last time I was really like trying to give the details of fasting, kind of getting into it. That was a main topic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What yeah. I want people to take away is that there's a way to think about health. And the world that can help steer you to keep your health and keep your sanity as this world is getting weirder and weirder. Yes. And I do think that all the cool crypto, like decentralized metaverse stuff, it's weird. And we've got to be prepared because in the end of the day, there's still a human body sitting behind that VR screen of the computer. And if you can, you know, take an hour a day to dial in your you know, have that morning routine, have that sprinting session, eat the right way, then you could probably sit in your VR headset and crush it doing whatever games or whatever the hell you're going to do in there, but still take care of your body in a meaningful way. Like I don't want us to be that like, um, idiocracy society where they're all just plugged in and eating all the shit and the world's falling apart and everyone forgot about the past. I mean, that movie really touched on like the basic concept of what I'm talking about is that we just need to look at history and integrate it into what we know now to make a meaningful lifestyle change that will keep you healthy forever. You do not need to depend on 10 pharmaceutical drugs to be healthy. Yeah. You can use magnesium and adaptogenic mushrooms and uh, vitamin supplements and food supplements and exercise habits and sleep habits to be super freaking healthy, like yeah. really, really healthy, feel really fucking great. Um, but you gotta see through the bullshit because what's being sold to you and what makes money right now is chronic disease. Yeah, that's the industry. That's that's the billion dollar game, baby. Is pills? Let me push these pills and shots on you. Um, let me ask you this moving out of the historical context, cause that's awesome. And into the present, uh, in, in a COVID age, as we're going to have another pandemic, there just oh. will be, I mean, the winter I mean, might be ugly with the just winter COVID. could be yeah, ugly yeah. with COVID 21. Who knows? Uh, you know, who knows what Bill Gates is planning <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> <That's> an- <laughs> joking or is he, <laughs> or is he? Uh, my, my wife thinks that it's like a double double. He's like, Lying yeah. and lying twice to really manipulate. Oh my oh, god, it's so man, funny dude. how he became this evil, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> Mister Burns, sorcerer. like Mister Burns. Totally. I'm gonna block the sun. Totally. Like, oh my dude, god, that's weird though. That's weird that the, the Simpsons predicted what the Bill sun, Gates the <laughs> sun blocking thing is. Um, very sketchy. Very funny. No, I think we it's will funny. Not get into that. No, but, no. But my <laughs> my question is, um, as we move. Like that's uh, now I understand your perspective in a historical context. And as we're now in this age of pandemics where we will have more for sure. And we will continue to be scared of like little things that pop up, but like, like uh, bird flu, mad cow disease, SARS, uh, H1N1, uh, the mosquito thing, all the little pop up real things shit that popped yeah. up. Yeah. Like when those little things pop up now, they're going to be treated like another pandemic. Yeah. We're just immediately going to default to lock your doors. There's a scary bug out there that could yeah. kill you. So as we continue moving into this psycho world 
and you're you're watching people like Fauci and 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 other leading like minds of medicine continue to talk to people and and I, to me they're moving goalposts the goalposts continue to move uh, but what do you as a doctor think that we are not being um told enough like what is missing from this communication i'm gonna guess you're gonna say things such as vitamin d healthy immune system things like that but even like kind of beyond that like what 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 contextual information do you think we need more of as we move into this space of fear and disease and viruses and that's just going to continue to come up um this is going to be a pretty morbid and maybe unpleasant answer okay hit me I think that people need to understand that death is a part of life that like people die. We are so disconnected from death that, you know, this idea that six people got really sick from, you know, uh, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine or this number of people that died. It's, it's, Oh, it's so scary. But if you start really looking at the numbers of how many people are dying from other disease processes, diabetes, cancer, it's like astronomically higher than COVID. And, uh, 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 it's because we're so disconnected from death that people don't understand what life is. So I think on, it was just crossing my mind the other day. I just think people need like a rude awakening of like death is a part of life. There's people dying every day from heart attacks and dementia. And yeah, when you don't see grandma for six months, she's sitting in a fucking room in a nursing home and she's not seeing anyone and she's losing her mind. And that's Mm -hmm. the reality of the society we set up. And she's going to die. And when she dies, you shouldn't throw the kitchen sink of stuff at her to save her life for a few days. When you've seen her twice in the year and you're afraid she's going to die, she's going to die. So there's this idea of like live life with intention, live life with urgency and not be so worried about anything that's going to happen because your chances of getting hit by a car when you're on the street is super high too. Like you're going to like bad shit happens all the time. So live life with intention and urgency and use every day to like improve yourself. Like have the attitude that every day you spend choosing to be unhappy. Now, like bad shit happens to people. I'm not saying everyone doesn't need to be unhappy, but a lot of people choose to just be frustrated and unhappy. It's often a choice. It's often a choice to not go outside and take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's often a choice to wallow your sorrows in a bowl of ice cream. These are choices we make. And to understand that you can make choices to be happy and you can make simple free often choices to be healthy and that is the key to like sustainability and happiness it's not a pill it's not a game it's not a uh, it's not a mask it's not a vaccine that's going to make it's it's being health happy and healthy and living each day with that goal this 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 drive to make yourself better and make yourself healthier and 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 my concept about leveraging acute stresses are tools to do that. Mm-hmm. So what would I tell people is this model of like managing the chronic stress of COVID and fear and more bad things that are coming our way, which they are, they're coming and they're coming and they're coming with more people and more uncertainty and more technological changes and different cultures and generations. Like there is a bunch of shit going on. It's really stressful. It's really difficult but it doesn't cost a lot to manage those things yeah. on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels like a lot of people are trying to mitigate the risk at the expense of life. Kind there of, there you go. You see, you know, like they're like, you try to mitigate risk, mitigate risk, but your, your, the expense is your, your freedoms, your freedom of thought, 
your intellectual sovereignty because you're just agreeing with everything you see and hear. Um, and it comes at the expense of living your life the most happy and free you can be. Whereas I think there's a way to mitigate risk and live freely. Like, I'm, I wear a mask at fucking Whole Foods, dude. Like, fine. I can't wait for that shit to be over. I don't think it should still be happening. But I'm also not going to, like, shudder in fear as somebody unmasked walks towards me. Because then I would literally be giving up my happiness. Yeah. That is an unhappy way to live. Um, and so I, I, I just hope that we can move into a space where we're not mitigating. We're not like, like mitigating the risk of dying at the expense of everything. You know, I just had a thought and this is kind of like we're trying to say is like the fear mongering is so real and it's so negative and bringing us down so much. And my answer to you was like being aware of death. It's because for all the fear about COVID and what could happen, there is a lot more bad shit and death happening around us all the time yeah. that you're not being fear mongered on. And if we were more honest with each other and ourselves and, and media was more honest about what's really going on as a society, as our population grows, as like obesity rates How skyrocket. How many people die from heart disease? I, I'm not way more, way more than COVID. I had a That's great, true, I, right? I have it. Yeah. Oh my God. I can, I, can we look metabolic, this up actually? Metabolic Mike has this great, he does a lot of this content. Um, did I save the picture? Are we going to, yeah, just gonna, gonna, we're going to, you're paused it. No, 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 no. I didn't pause it. We're yeah. still going. Everyone's having a great time. Oh, we're having we, a great time. While yeah. we lock. Yeah. But, uh, young Jamie's going to look this up or are you looking it up right now? We are both controlling. How to many look it people up. die from heart disease? Not this year, because every death was a COVID death. 655,000 Americans die from heart disease each year. One in every four deaths in America is from heart disease. Major risk factors include tobacco smoking and hypertension. So, yeah, and here's... Wow, from, I didn't know it was that high, bro. bro that's bro, crazy. It's crazy. So, it's crazy. And so, this is from JAMA. Uh, this is a JAMA article published this... this and mine was CDC, by the way. Yeah, mine this is CDC. JAMA. I think this is CDC data. Uh, no, this is Leading Causes of Death, uh, U.S. 2020, uh, published in JAMA Journal of American Medicine. Um, so, this year, uh, we had heart disease, uh, almost 700,000 deaths, cancer... Uh, 600,000 deaths, COVID, 345,000 deaths. I thought COVID was 500,000. 345,000 in 2020. Wow. From this data. Uh, unintentional injuries, 190. Unintentional injuries, 190,000, 190, right? Stroke. Got to stop stepping on rakes. And so this is something interesting too. When you look at this data, you're like, well, heart disease is twice as much as COVID, but 345 is really still a lot for COVID. And I agree with yeah. that. However, However, once you start the, looking down. At the, data, at the specific data, you're going to talk about the fucking the demographics of the people and who does who But But just get this. If you take metabolic disease, so this is breaking it up based on whatever they decided to break it up, how the, how it's reported. Mm -hmm. I would argue that COVID is this infectious disease that's scary, and I get it. Q 
cancer is now being proven to be a metabolic disease, right? Yes, there's genetic causes of cancer, but a lot of it is your metabolism is broken and you're, you, you can't uh, kill or get rid of these cancer cells. And so cancer grows and cancer Whoa. rates are sky high. And there's a lot of new evidence coming out that it's all a metabolic disease. Not all. A lot of it is a metabolic disease. But even if you don't count cancer, you take heart disease, you take stroke, you take chronic lower respiratory diseases, which is often comorbid with metabolic disease or smoking Alzheimer's disease, which is definitely a metabolic disease, diabetes, kidney disease. So if you take those, so that's 700,000 plus 200,000 plus another 150. So the number of deaths from metabolic disease compared to infectious disease. So if you add like COVID-19 and influenza is about 400,000 and the number of deaths from metabolic disease is millions. Damn. When you just add up these numbers, so that's that's taking the chart, wow. that's taking the chart and going one step further. Instead of just looking at the one data point, you're yeah. saying, okay, well, if I gather the metabolic diseases versus the infectious diseases, which is what we're all staying at home and freaking out and wearing yeah, masks yeah, about, yeah. Um, those numbers don't even compare. Yeah. It's not even a, yeah. it's not even on the same scale. It's millions versus hundreds of thousands. And then, if I were to extrapolate that data one step further. Would I, would this be a factual thing to thought to have even the people who died from infectious diseases, a high percentage of them likely had metabolic issues because that's such a big comorbidity factor. The, the number was crazy. It was like 94 or 97% of people from died from COVID the average comorbidities was 2.7. Yeah. So that means most people, by far the majority of it happened two or three. Right. 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 And obesity is one of those. Obesity, hypertension, hypertension diabetes, diabetes. Heart, heart disease. Yeah. Um, so then you might argue that it's all metabolic disease. Right. <laughs> right. Like For it's all metabolic. high percentage. Yeah. It, it's and, and th- that extremely doesn't high. Include, um, uh, being over 80 because when you add the amount of people because being over 80 isn't we don't treat age like a disease right but it kind of is if you really want to start getting into the weeds dude being aging is a disease uh which is a weird thing to say i know but don't fucking cancel me for this in the future or if you do fuck off and so there's a lot of anti-aging doctors that agree with you by the way dude when you include people that are over 80 in those percentages that it changes everything and this is part of my biggest frustration of the past year is we're treating this like it doesn't matter who you are. Neil deGrasse fucking Tyson, dude, had a TikTok that said uh, COVID does not, um, uh, it doesn't, uh, what's that word where you're d- 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 choosing who to fuck with? It doesn't, um, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, discriminate. Discriminate. He's Neil deGrasse Tyson said COVID doesn't discriminate. And it blew my fucking mind, dude, because we're, you, when you look at numbers and it scientific data, it is so discriminatory. And that's the information that we don't get from our health officials that are on TV every night. We don't get from these people. They're not sharing that information. And instead it's creating this groupthink mentality that's making people so fucking afraid for the wrong reasons. Whereas you could be, we could be focusing all of our intentions on helping the people that are actually vulnerable. 
Like it's too late to maybe give a 300 pound person with diabetes and asthma. It's too. It might be too late for a lot of these people. But let's like try to help them. Let's give them free Amazon grocery delivery so they don't have to go to a store. And then the rest of us can just live our lives instead of deciding what business is essential. You're gonna tell me my business is not essential. You know what's an essential you know business? What I mean? Yeah. You know what's an essential business is all the food companies and all the people that use wheat, corn, and soy. Right. And that's why when I hear from my colleagues in the hospital, cause I don't go to the hospital anymore. Uh, every single patient I've ever had admitted for COVID has hyperglycemia. They all have a high blood sugar. This they is all, what you've been told. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a couple of like, very close friends that, that have been, it's everyone, all of them. And, and not a couple. I have a 10 doctors that I ask regularly that I talk to. All of them are like every patient has hyperglycemia. Every patient has, if not diabetes, pre-diabetes, and if not one of those, they're obese and ultimately insulin resistant. So their sugars are sky high. Yeah. So, so maybe the best intervention we could have ever done is say, stop eating sugar. Yeah. Right. Forget about what you believe about meat and plants and fasting and blah, blah, blah. Just stop eating sugar. But you know what? Uh, Who's paying for the commercials on that news show? Right. Who is funding medical colleges? Who are the right. number one funders of medical colleges, public medical colleges in the country? It's food companies. Food companies by far are wheat, corn, and soy. There's a few meat companies and they're few and far between and they're not contributing uh, for a variety of reasons. But the big companies are making cereals, they're making sodas, they're yeah. making boxed processed food. And that is what's causing everyone to be sick. And why don't we say that's what's causing everyone to be sick? Because they're paying money to shut everyone yeah. up. And it's so much easier to say, oh, your small business is not essential because we can't have people mingling together. It's optics. And it's like, it's, it's optics. optics. The yeah. messaging is wrong. That was my point with the small, the uh, what business is essential or not. Um, it's just, it, it's optics, it's messaging. And it's so fucking sad that it comes down to money at the end of the day. Um, and that's not a conspiracy theory. Like, I think that it's important for people to understand that I'm, I'm going to keep talking about this because it's not a conspiracy theory. This is the reality, right? Like you can look, it's public knowledge to look and see how much these companies are paying for commercials, who is funding medical schools, who is funding medical education, who is contributing and funding the studies that the drug companies use. Who is behind it? It just takes work to look it up. And there's a lot of brilliant people that are exposing it, but it's never going to get mainstream media coverage because those mainstream media companies are paid for by big food and big pharma. Mm -hmm. Big food and big pharma run the game. Yeah. And that's why I, I'm always, you know, nervous when I talk about this, but really like I can't ignore it because it just is what it is, you know? And like the only thing we can do is support smaller companies doing it right. Support grocery stores that stock higher quality food items yep. that promote low carb eating. Look, there's simple shit. I just went to Mexico for my honeymoon. It was awesome. Uh, if you if you take a bottle of of Coca Cola, it's just like covered in labels now that it's a it's a, an extremely I forgot the the, Mex the Spanish uh, but it's an extremely like an excessive sugar product warning really? warning you can't miss it when you grab the bottle wow. of Coke because they're having a serious problem and they don't have the vice grip that is 
the corn and 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 soy and wheat and and drug company grip it's not as powerful like there that's why for example we use high fructose corn syrup here they use sugar because you should probably just use sugar and not a weird processed corn right to to like sweeten right. things but even but they have these diabetes and obesity and at least they're labeling their food you'll never see that here because it's just it's impossible to get through and so, yeah, that's why I'm out here talking about this stuff. That's why, like, every conversation, I always try to tie it back to this because it's all kind of simple. Yeah. It's kind of simple. Take out the weird sugar stuff. Take out the weird grain stuff. Embrace real natural food, which is animal foods, and you'll be healthier. Yeah. And you'll just be healthier. But but getting in an argument about plant-based protein versus this protein versus the environmental impacts on the red meat has versus corn. It's like, it's like you're in the weeds. You can manipulate data. There's so much bullshit to it. It's not that complicated to be like, everyone is dying from hyperglycemia. Like people are really, really, really sick from, from these things. And, and then you can get into some of the more, like, I think you got to understand it more, but like vegetable oil, like seed oils, processed seed oils are just poisonous and they're really, really bad for us. And we're just starting to figure out why. And, and even the companies that make those oils know that, and they're always trying to modify the oils to make them a little healthier. So if, if you're selling a good product, why are you always trying to modify it to make it less poisonous? So yeah. there's, that's a whole different conversation, but just understanding that like, uh, you can be happy and healthy without spending a shit ton of money. You just need to make thoughtful decisions and accept that a lot of what you've taught been taught is wrong and that there is now a world of information that you can just open your mind and learn about and find what makes sense for you. Yeah. And do the research and don't live by the headlines. A lot of people live by headlines today and get out of the bubble of like, if you're like, you've been vegetarian or vegan, like actually search the other stuff because the social media and the search and like the platforms, they're just going to feed you the thing they know you already like. Yeah. So then you just get caught in a cycle. So I intentionally follow influencers from other kind of, um, you know, way schools of thought so that I could see where people's heads are at. Mm -hmm. Like I'll look at, Fox News and I'll look at CNN and I'll look at NPR. I'll look at all of them to kind of get a pulse on like, what is the nation thinking? What, what are, what are the ideas that are trying to being promoted to us? Yeah. And when you do that, then you start seeing through the lines and you're like, well, this is really scary. This is really happening. How come like that news media doesn't even have it on their front page? Like they don't even want to talk about it. Right. It right. just gets weird. And you realize that it's all just like a manipulation and what forces are involved and who's really interested in like promoting some idea or not promoting some idea. It's, it's, it's like, I'm not, I don't know. Like I'm not a QAnon. Here's all like, it's not the point. The point is, is like, just don't buy what's fed to you. Yeah. Think about it. Be thoughtful, find a good, you know, person that then says, go read this book or go listen to that podcast. And it's like, explore, go on your journey, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's all there. Listen to this podcast, baby. Listen to the Brent Pellis show. Podcast, bro. Um, Man, that feel that feels like a great place. That to was end. great. Do you feel good? I feel great. Is that was a lot more serious, I think, than I. Oh, was. but I so hope you guys don't think I'm just bro. serious. I can bullshit. No, we about, needed this. Okay. I needed this. Yeah, was this good. is more yeah. for me than it is for <laughs> anyone else. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on? Because we're hitting the two hour mark, and I feel pretty good. No, I mean we we covered so much. I just you know, uh, there's so much information out there, and my yeah. goal is for people to learn. I, if people are excited about anything I'm talking about, I have a great podcast called The Sapien Podcast. Yes, yes. And we're getting a bunch of love for it. I, I co-host it with Brian Sanders, and we have lots of really smart people on, and, and we try to do a lot of like 
kind of these kind of conversations. Um, we have a peak human podcast, which has the world's leading scientists uh, talking about nutrition, and that's all about food and nutrition. So if you really want to go down a rabbit hole, listen to the peak human podcast. Um, and if you really want to, you know, learn more from me, you can make an appointment with me through evolve healthcare at evolvehealthcare.com. You can call the office. I do consults. Um, can reach out to me at dr gary evolve on instagram you could message brent and say who is that handsome yeah. doctor say hey who's that doctor that yeah. sounded like he knows a lot about mushrooms does he have a plug <laughs> yeah uh gary i love you bro love you brent Thanks this for is so great and yeah. congratulations on this new studio this is thank really you so amazing. much thank you it really yeah. is lovely we're, we're taking steps toward having a, a future where my student loans are paid you're so, gonna be you have a very bright future surely. my friend <laughs> thank you you're man. very 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 thanks good. dude bright and healthy yes that's our future all right everybody thank love you see ya And that's it, man. Thank you guys so much for cruising and hanging and banging and chilling. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe to the podcast channel on YouTube. Um, subscribe on all the things, iTunes, Spotify, whatever all those things do. Um, support the brands that support the podcast. That's Bioptimizers, Cognibiotics.com slash Brent Pella, and Blueblocks, Blueblocks.com slash Brent. Um, both of these companies support me and allow me to continue doing the things that I do uh, without having to be another uh, person living in a tent in California. So please support the uh, brands, the, uh, the, the the folks who support me. Um, and follow Gary, uh, Dr. Gary Evolve on Instagram and Evolve Healthcare, Sapien Podcast. All his stuff is amazing. Keep up with him and keep up with yourselves, man. Take care of your body, you know what I mean? Be healthy. Now's the time to be healthy and happy, not angry and poopy, okay? Don't be angry. Don't be poopy. Be happy. Be healthy. And drink some water. All right? I'll see you guys next week. Bye.